We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I haven't really woken up until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal. And I know this is true because before breakfast, I put my phone in the refrigerator and couldn't find the keys that were already in my hand. Nothing gets the morning going like the first sip of an iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Garage Beers! This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it's episode 55, and we've got two amazing special guests joining you this week. First up in the garage, from the Chase Down Podcast, which is the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers, we've got Justin Rowan. We're going to talk about his journey to the official podcast of the Cavs. And then up in the garage, it's the voice of the Florida Panthers, formerly the voice of the Cleveland Monsters, Doug Plagans, plus our Garage Beers of the Week, our Three Cheers of the Week, and so much more. So come on up the driveway, break out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody, to episode 55 of the Garage Beers podcast brought to you on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Go follow them at Belly Up Sports online. You can find them all over the place. And and go check out some of our awesome teammates on the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network as well. And you can find us at The Garage Beers on Twitter and Instagram and The Garage Beers Podcast on Facebook, on TikTok, everywhere. I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Find me at Garage Beers Mike. Coming at you over here from the west side of Cleveland. And on the other side of town, on the east side of Cleveland, it's my buddy Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, Chad, what's going on? Hey! Hi. So uh, just you and I, man, we're, we're like tag team. We're like, no. like, we're like, whoop, there it is tonight, man. I miss, I miss Joe. Oh, come on. No, you don't. I miss him. No, you don't. No, I miss you don't. Him. I like okay. Joe. I, I, I like Joey. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I miss him too, but I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, this first episode ever with just you and I. This is weird. 
Hey, this, you know this what? A, this, you know what this is? This is the first episode with you and I back before we even brought Joey in. Remember when we were well, trying to figure well. out what <laughs> when we were trying to figure out what the hell we were doing? Chad we were and like, I, <laughs> if you don't know, Chad, of course you don't know because <laughs> Chad and I recorded two episodes of the Garage Beers podcast and never released them uh, because we didn't know what the hell was going on. And then Joe came in and saved the shit out of this show. So if you like this podcast, thanks, Joe. Uh, <laughs> So, Chad, you're over there on the east side. I'm over here on the west side. Joe uh, had to start his, his softball league in Nashville. You know how it goes. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good time here on this podcast. we got a couple special guests. Uh, we've got some other fun stuff to talk about. Uh, if you really are enjoying the podcast, we will ask, uh, go give us – subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening and give us a rating, uh, whether it's Apple or Spotify or whatever – uh, that's that always helps us and and share us with your friends. We always like that as well. Uh, but that's going to do it for our intros and uh, and we're going to have a really fun garage beers of the week. So let's get into that. All right. Before we get into our garage beers of the week section, where our special guest number one of this episode is going to join us for garage beers of the week. So we're going to introduce our special guest and that special guest is. Uh, one of the hosts of the Chase Down podcast with his co-host Carter Rodriguez, uh, which is now the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers, which we're going to get into that because that story is awesome. So we're really excited to bring in Justin Rowan. You know him on Twitter at Cavs Canada, Cavs in Canada combined. Justin, welcome into the Garage Beers podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And you got the Twitter handle right. Some people will say Cavs Canada, they'll ca- say Cavs Anada. They, they won't. I, like it looks a lot better in writing than it does out loud. And I'm very happy that you nailed it uh, with Ooh, your pronunciation. I know my stuff. I know my, my calves <laughs> and my Canada. Uh, does that, make, does that make up for him not being Joey? Like, like, cause he lied to you at first or. Yeah. Yeah. To, to let the <laughs> listeners in on uh, the, the lies that have been going on before this podcast zoom. I mean, I'm not one for labels, but Joey, quote unquote, is out here lying to me. Well, in fairness, Joey's the true liar because he's the third member of our podcast, but he had his softball league tonight. Ah. So he had to go do that. So, you know what? Let's what? just trash talk him. Yeah, that, okay, that well. sounds fair. I'm, I'm also just jealous of that because it is a little early for softball up in Canada. Yeah. Where are you at in Canada? So I'm in Winnipeg. Uh, our our spring just started. Uh, the nickname's Winterpeg, and we we live up to that billing for sure. Yeah, you're way um, up there. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it's been cold, but uh, you know the, the everything's melting. I fired up the barbecue yesterday for the first time. So uh, nice. we, we're we're on the way back. We're we're making our way back to sunshine. I know it was like 50 in Cleveland today, and I mm-hmm. was like, well, I'm not putting a coat on if I go outside. That isn't <laughs> happening. Are you a smoker or are you, are you a smoker or are you just a griller, Justin? Ah, uh, God. So I, I have a condo with a balcony. I don't have the, the full smoker set up. I ah, appreciate yeah. a good smoker. <laughs> I got a buddy that is a meat influencer. Uh, so I, I, go out, oh. I, I go out to his place and he's got the full smoker. He'll do a big breakfast and whatnot. I, I, oh. I respect it. Uh, I'm envious of it, but uh, I'm sticking just with the propane grill for now. Influencer. There's, there's something. There's there's something so cathartic about that whole process. Just, just, just from when you when you start the meat to, to I don't know if you, if you're doing an overnight smoke, you're just sitting out, nobody's around, it's quiet. You have a cigar <laughs> and a drink. Like you're, it's it's nice. It's nice. I feel you like I could, sometime, Mike. 
I feel like I could get into that, but I'm hungry most of the time. And so <laughs> yeah. that yeah. takes a long time. Uh, before we get into beers and basketball, you're in Winnipeg. Are you a hockey fan? I am. I'm kind of dialing back a little bit of the Jets love right now because I'm I'm just sick of Paul Maurice's head coach. Um, it is it feels like they got training wheels on uh, yep. w- with him at the helm. So I, I would really like to see them kind of just unleash what the talent that they got. Cause they've always had so much talent with their forwards. Yes. But man, like it's just, let's play dump and chase. Let's not move the puck. Let's play crappy 500 hockey, which is the uh, Paul Murray special. So uh, I have not been as invested this year. Well, life is better. Uh, life is better with the Winnipeg jets back in Winnipeg. Uh, and not the stupid Atlanta Thrashers uh, <laughs> down in Atlanta. Life is better with that team up there. So we're, I, I'm just happy uh, that the Jets are, are up there again. It's been a while. It's been several years since they've been back. But yeah. I'm glad the Jets are back. And uh, are you enjoying this uh, NHL North Canada division hockey? That's kind of cool, right? It, it kind of is. But at the same time, when you're playing the same teams over and over and over again, like right. that, that's another right. contributing factor to why I'm a little less interested. I'm surprised Fair. no one's killed each other yet. Um, <laughs> that, that That's a, a very pleasant surprise. But man, yeah. like you, you see it in hockey when there's a playoff series and, and like by the end right. of it, those guys are just done with each other. Uh, right. Maybe once we get to the second half of the season, uh, that's going to start bubbling to the surface here where, where those players are just taking each other out. Uh, but you're right. It is nice to have the Jets back. Um, obviously, um, meant so much to the city. And it's one of the connection points. Like you, doing a Cavs podcast and a, relating to Cleveland fans, both cities lost the team they love the most. Both cities got that team back. We got that curse sports fan mentality. Yep. Uh, so it, it's all part of the experience and, and part of why I've connected so much to the Cavs. I've never quite yeah, thought. Of, Cal- I've never thought of Cleveland as tropical Winnipeg, but I think it kind of is. It's it should be the new Cleveland city out. slogan. I've I've got a buddy that's a huge Browns fan. I actually got a, quite a few uh, people in, in the city that are fans of, of different Cleveland sports teams, whether it's the the baseball, uh, the, the Cleveland baseball team until they get a new <laughs> name, uh, or the Browns. Got a few Browns fans here, but for the most part, it's kind of Vikings, Packers, Bears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Calgary and Alberta, Calgary and uh, Edmonton up there are just going to be bloodbaths by the end of the oh. by the end of the season. One hundred percent. All right. So before we get in, we're going to go over to basketball. We can't just talk hockey, although as you can tell, we I've got the Blue Jackets on the TV right in front of me right now. They're getting they're not doing great, but mm. uh, uh, we are going to talk basketball. Before we get into that, though, we've got to do our garage beers of the week, uh, and we're going to make it a special garage drinks of the week because we don't discriminate here. If you're not a beer person, you don't drink beer, you want to bring a garage drink on, bring a garage drink on. And that's what our buddy Justin here has done. So, Justin, we always let you lead it off. Just kind of tell us what you're drinking, how it is, how you like it. Yeah, I didn't stop off for a gluten-free beer. Uh, I didn't have any with me, and I didn't feel like leaving the house because we are still pretty much pretty locked down up here. Uh, but I got tequila instead. We, mm. we got the nice Corazon tequila, um, of course. Neat, the the only way yeah. to drink. And yes. uh, that is what's fueling my takes on this podcast. So uh, be, be warned. <laughs> Justin Rowan brought to you by Corazon Tequila. Neat. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Right. Have fun with that. <laughs> All right. We've had tequila. I don't remember who's had tequila. Was it Daniel Johnson Richardson. from the Indians? Did he? Daniel Johnson and Jay Richardson from yeah, the Buckeyes. They, yeah, they both had tequila. So you're not a first time tequila, but that's a good one, the Corazon. Uh, Chad, over there on the east side of Cleveland, what's your garage beer this week? 
Uh, well, Mike, uh, you'll be proud of me. I'm making my <laughs> first trip to uh, Jolly Scholar. Ooh, good one. And uh, the beer I have, it's the beer guy. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let Les Flake's uh, collaboration with Jolly Scholar. Uh, it's 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 an American craft lager. It's very smooth. It's very light. It's uh it's 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 a nice drinkable beer. I love it. I mean, I could I could picture being at the game already, drinking like twelve of these and twelve dollar <laughs> dogs, and, and I'll be good to go. And I'll still be hungry for like four more dollar dogs. Some <laughs> so, yeah, guy go. play shortstop. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, that is cool. I saw that uh, collaboration. I want to get one of those, but. Uh, that's cool because that throws me back when they did that. Have you did you see the videos, Justin, of the beer guy was going around to people's houses when the pandemic first started? No, no, I missed that. Uh, and he was like delivering beers to people's houses. I I had that for my father in law. I had him drop it off. It was the coolest thing. He walked that, up the driveway. That's pretty beer sweet. Guy. Yeah, it was great. All right, that brings me to me, uh, and I uh, I'm going with a good one here tonight uh, from Platform here in Cleveland. Uh, this is called the uh, we're sticking with like kind of a Mexican theme. You've got the Corazon tequila. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the Coco Delicioso. It is a Mexican hot chocolate style imperial stout from Ooh. platform. This is a big boy. This is eight and a half percent. It is strong. It's a bit spicy, uh, which is cool. It's oh. got like a you can taste some kind of peppers in it. Uh, and yeah, it's really good. So Dude, I have Mexican. no qualms with this. Mexican hot chocolate imperial stout. Is that what you said? Yeah, you heard it. Dear Lord. All right. That is, that's pretty good. That's You know what? I'm actually going to message that to my uh, wife downstairs because she is the uh, craft beer snob in this household. And uh, yeah. You need a picture? There you go. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think we need a picture. but uh, No, well, I would exclude Give me that description face. one last time. One last time. I would exclude Next my time. face for sure. Uh, it is the Mexican hot chocolate style imperial stout. Yeah, her and Mike right. would get along very well. <laughs> <laughs> I, sure. I believe it. For sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. When we went to uh, Cleveland in uh, November of 2019, we did a uh, craft beer tour where I would just kind of drink cider or whatever. Sure. Uh, but she uh, she really enjoyed it. So uh, we're, nice. we're looking forward to being able to do that again. How's Winnipeg as a brewery city? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, she <laughs> so it's obviously died down a little bit right now right. Uh, with everything being closed. Uh, she works as a travel agent and also serves in a brewery uh, every now and then on a side. Oh. So that's uh, two industries right. that were really, really good for COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things are going yeah. great. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're almost through that. But yeah, those are our garage beer slash garage drinks of the week. We've got tequila. We got the Jolly Scholar. We got platform represented. All good things. Uh, cheers to you guys here on the podcast. Cheers to you, the listener. Get on our social media. Tell us what you're drinking, what your garage beer of the week is this week. Let us know if you have any recommendations. We're always looking for them. So now let's get into it again. As I said, when I introduced him, Justin Rowan, again, at Anada. Cavs in Canada combined on Twitter. Uh, if you're not following him, go follow. Uh, he is uh, uh, a whiz at basketball. He knows all about the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he's doing so well for himself that his podcast, and how many years ago did you start the podcast? So this version of the podcast, it's been four years. Uh, we used to host uh, the Fear the Sword podcast yep. um, and would kind of cycle through different guests and whatnot. But uh, the Chase Down has been around for almost four years now. We're, we're pretty much at that point. So the Chase Down, which is awesome, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. The Chase Down podcast with his host, Carter Rodriguez. Uh, 
They're doing so well that they just got recently named the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So let's start there, Justin. Uh, <laughs> first of all, congratulations are in order. Uh, Thank you. After four years, um, you know, talk about what that what that meant for you guys. Talk and and what was that a process you guys have been working at for a while, or or who reached out to who? How that whole how that whole thing go down? So they reached out to me. Uh, it was through a pretty anonymous Twitter account uh, that I got my message request. I had actually just turned my message request on, uh, like maybe a few weeks before I oh even got gosh. this one, which I'm really grateful of. And it was basically, uh, hey, are you free today for a Zoom call? And I'm like, okay, well, this is a little strange. Uh, and then uh, obviously on the call, kind of, it was the, the idea of a possible merger or uh, a partnership. Uh, was kind of brought up at that time. And yeah, I, I mean, from there, it was a process that took a long time. Uh, we announced just in, in the middle of February here. So that definitely took a while. But at the same time, like it was just one of the most surreal things where after that, it's a couple months, you don't really hear anything, then closer to the draft, um, more details come out and okay, we're actually interested in in you guys coming on. And it's like, okay, well, I guess we've been passing whatever audition <laughs> has been going on for the last little bit here. <laughs> um, but I mean, to, to me, it's still really surreal because this is not something that I have any real um, desire to make a career out of. This is a, a hobby and kind of a, a side job and a side passion. And this has kind of been my outlet to talk to the fans, to get my basketball takes out there, to, to talk Cavs basketball, because as you can probably imagine, there's not tons of that in, in Winnipeg. Um <laughs> But to have that endorsement from the team saying, hey, we like what you guys are currently do. We want you to continue doing it. But with some support from us, it is just it, it's so damn surreal. And I'm ha so happy that we've been able to carve out this niche. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the only word I can use to describe at this point, because it, it's still sinking in for sure. So, mar so marketing in Winnipeg is really easy, is what you're saying. You're like, hey, Jets fans, listen, listen to our Cavs podcast. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I am a marketing major, uh, so oh, ma maybe go. it just comes easy to me. Maybe maybe yeah. that's what this <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What the, now, Cavs, uh, what the Cavs don't okay. know is you just are raking them in all these fans up in Winnipeg. Uh, mm -hmm. They're like, why, why are we selling so much merch in Winnipeg, Canada? <laughs> Yeah, because well, I mean, if if you can make it in Winnipeg, kind of logic would dictate that you, you can uh, maybe there's some appeal in Cleveland. So maybe that's what's going on here. Now, on the last Chase Down podcast uh, there, Justin, let's get into the team a little bit. You uh, get graded all four of the future cornerstones of this uh, of this team. First mm -hmm. off, you gave Colin Sexton, you gave Colin Sexton an A. Uh, yeah. Is this a guy you can build a championship team around? So that's an interesting question, because. It raises a similar question, which is, can you build a championship team around a guard? And I, I mean, you look through NBA history, the only real example that we have since Isaiah Thomas is Steph Curry and like Steph Curry. Yeah, obviously, as Cavs fans, we're, we're not the, the biggest fans of him, but you do have to respect what talent level you're talking about there when, when it comes to Steph. Um I don't, I don't know if Sexton can necessarily be the number one guy on a championship team, but I do have confidence that he might be able to be the leading scorer. Like, if you put him on the Denver Nuggets, as an example, playing off of Jokic, yeah, Jokic is the clear best player. He's the, the straw that stirs the drink. But Sexton is so effective as a scorer. Um, one of the 
big areas of growth for him this season is he is now scoring more than ever while dominating the ball less than ever. Like he is, his time of possession is way down. He's not dribbling around. He, he's playing off ball. And those traits really speak well to being able to build a core around him being one of those cornerstone pieces because he's giving you that efficient scoring while improving as a passer. Four and a half assists a game from the shooting guard position is very solid. Um, And he's improved on the defensive end as well. So I, I don't think he can necessarily be your number one guy. But I do think that he can be a leading scorer option, uh, scoring option on a contender, maybe similar to what we see with the Utah Jazz. All right, so the next guy was Darius Garland, who mm-hmm. got like a B, got like a yep. kind of above average, uh, yep. doing well. What's the biggest area of his game, though, that needs to change? So that's a good question. Uh, Garland, and this is my hot take, I do think that Garland has the highest ceiling out of anyone on the Cavs, which is why I gave him a B, because I am grading him at a very high standard. Um, coming into this year, my hope for him was that he could average 17-7. and seven. And if you look at the numbers as a starter, that's basically what he's averaging. The numbers as a starter is a little trick I use to take out the three games when he was playing on a minute restriction, which is obviously going to bring down those averages. Um, So what you want to see from Garland is what we actually kind of saw since Jared Allen um, moved into the starting lineup, which is all of a sudden that usage rate, uh, which for people that don't know, usage rate is basically what percentage of your possessions end with a shot or a turnover. So where you're ending the possession, it's up to 26%, which is similar to what Colin Sexton has for the season. So that's an assertiveness we haven't seen before from him. And I really think playing that pick and roll style is making him more aggressive. The only reason his numbers are still at 17 and seven over this last stretch is because he's not shooting well. He's shooting like 38, 31 at this time, obviously been dealing with a bit of a nagging injury as well. But I want to see that assertiveness continue with the percentages that he's already at. Um, Like that's basically what's stopping him from being a 20 point per game guy in the past few weeks is he's just not shooting well. So if he continues to do that as Kevin Love is back, as Larry Nance Jr. is back, where there might be some temptation for him to be a little more passive and be a pass first guy, because that's his instinct. If he can continue being assertive and creating the way that he has, uh, that that's what I want to see for the rest of the season, because that's, in a lot of ways, this is still his rookie year. Yeah, I think two I think two interesting points come up. You talked about you think he has the highest ceiling and my general gut is to say I agree with that. He's he's very effortless. He reminds you a little and I don't want to go crazy when I say reminds. I mean, like in a vague way, I don't mm-hmm. want people to go crazy with this statement. Reminds you a little of Kyrie in that he just is so effortless, he, like he's got that, like he'll be under the hoop with two seven footers around him. And somehow there's a a shot that he spins up on the rim that goes in and he's everything kind of looks slow with him, but he's not moving slow. Uh, So I agree with you. I think if he can stay assertive and, and, and put some of those skills to good use, I think there's an incredible ceiling for him. The question that comes up because we've just talked about Sexton and Garland, Mm -hmm. we, we are just coming out with the Cavaliers of just a hideous stretch of basketball before this little, uh, they got back into winning that West coast trip was, it wasn't just bad. It was double digit blowout losses every night. It was, it was awful. And one of the things that I noticed was when this Cavs team gets down, it feels like Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are competing with each other. It feels like they're, they're not on the same game plan. They're not on the same wavelength. 
And to me, it feels like one of the real keys for this Cavaliers team is that those two guys got to be on the same page at Mm -hmm. all times. Did you notice that a little bit during that losing streak? Yeah, I I think there's definitely some of that. And to me, that's why I always advocate for trying to be competitive, especially under the new lottery odds where it's flattened, uh, where you you have the worst record in the league and you have a 48% chance of picking fifth. Like you, you, you at this point should just focus on player development because when you are in those games and you're competitive, you have more minutes of film that are useful that you can actually take something away from. And when they fall behind by 20 or 30, that's when guys just start to get their own numbers, whether it be Garland saying, hey, I haven't shot well, so I'm just going to get some shots up and see if I can get something that I'll carry on to the next game. Uh, Colin Sexton, obviously, it is in his mindset to be a scorer. So that's when he starts shifting away from some of the team basketball that has really kind of elevated his play this season. So I I do think that it's really important for these guys to learn how to play with one another. Um, I know a lot is made of starting two guys that are 6'1", barefoot, um, (laughs) next to each other. Um, which I, I mean, there are examples of that working, right? Like the Toronto Raptors won a championship starting two guys that are 5'11. Yeah. Uh, the Utah Jazz have the best record in the league, and uh, Mike Conley, six feet, Donovan Mitchell, six one. Like, this is, I think, when you're looking for comparisons, the Utah Jazz, like, you got a small backcourt, you have your big man that shot block shots in the middle, yeah. and you just got to kind of round out that front court, right? That's Portland, um, yeah. So even if these guys get staggered at some point in the future, you're counting on them to play 30 plus minutes a night, which means they're going to play at least 15 minutes together. So yep. no matter what, no, uh, as much as we like to fetishize who's starting and who's not, it's not hockey. These aren't lines. <laughs> There's so much flow within a game and you're always going to want one of these guys on the court. So the important thing is that they learn how to maximize their minutes together, which I mean, Yes, it's fallen apart in a few blowouts, but for the most part, these guys have been better when they're together, which is a really encouraging sign. Now, this may be a dumb question, and I have had plenty of them before. Uh, (laughs) Now, you know, you you mentioned Kevin Love. I'm just really curious with how young and up and coming this team is going in their lineup. I'm curious what his role is, what you think his role is going forward. Mm-hmm. Whether that be whether he return, whether when he does come back, whether he returns to a full time role, uh, which I mean, obviously he's he's you know a, a, a big time veteran uh, on this team, but like I, I don't know, I, I just feel like with the way with, with the way this organization seems to be going, I'm just confused as to what might be his role going forward on this team. Just curious your thoughts. Yeah, so uh, I think there's always going to be the possibility of a trade with Kevin Love. That's been the case since he first came in Cleveland, like months later. Um, so <laughs> that needs to be said on the front end. Outside of that, I mean, you saw the difference from the losing streak to when they put Dean Wade into the lineup, which is just having an actual power forward on the floor that can stretch the floor. Yes, That's what yeah. Kevin Love's value is going to be. He's going to help... Give them someone that can initiate offense from the front court because that's one of the big needs is the only guys they have that create offense for each other or for the team in general are six one, mm-hmm. which it's effective at times. But there has been times this season where teams throw length at them, the team like the Pacers, where they blitz the hell out of you every single time down the floor. And you need to have a front court player that can create offense, whether that's as a secondary creator, which Larry Nance can do. Uh, Kevin Love can certainly do that. So I think he's going to space the floor. Um, I, I think that there's still a value in starting him, both in keeping Larry healthy and keeping his minutes down and also just playing him 
with Okoro and Allen, who are going to cover for some of his deficiencies on the defensive end. So um, I, I think assuming he does come back to the lineup and, and isn't moved before he starts playing, uh, that'll be his role. But I do anticipate this resolving itself with a trade at some point, whether it be this season, whether it be this off season. Um, I'm sorry to rant on and on, but like no, one, no. Of the things, no, no, no. one of the things that we talked about was this was supposed to be such a great free agency class. And then all of those free agents signed. But now you have these teams that were anticipating making a splash. They saved all their cap room. They maintain that flexibility. Now they have nothing. Well, you can pay a lot for Andre Drummond, or you might feel better about two years of Kevin Love. Because at that point, it's not as much term on his contract. You can go out there. You probably don't have to pay a whole lot for him. I, I think that there's going to be some appeal to him because he is still a good basketball player. No, he's not worth that contract at this point. But at the end of the day, certain marks, it's will overpay for a guy if he helps elevate them. Look at Charlotte with Gordon Hayward. Like, yeah, that's an overpay, but it is paying dividends for them. So let's talk about the two other guys that you guys graded, which you talked about, Okoro and Jared Allen. Those are, those, those are your cornerstones. My question on Isaac Okoro, I know mm-hmm. fans hate to hear this, but the kid looks like he's 12 years old. He, <laughs> it's, he's huge. He's a huge uh, outside of his muscles. Yeah, right. Correct. He's a 12 year old that could body slam me through a car. Uh, <laughs> but let's say all things go well, because I, I don't he's so young and he's so raw. And we knew he was raw when they drafted him. That yeah. was the thing, especially offensively. This dude is raw as all get out, but he likes to play defense. Uh, who's your NBA comparison to Isaac Okoro? If, if all things work out well for him. Who's the guy that you think that's who Isaac Okoro can be like? Now, the absolute best case scenario for Okoro. Now, I'm I'm not this high on him. I, I do think out of the core, Okoro is probably the guy with the lowest upside. I do think he's going to be a very quality starter and all the defense type player. But if you're looking for an offensive comparable, uh, Jalen Brown, like the college stats are identical. The same issues as a rookie could not shoot, yeah. couldn't really dribble. It, it was a whole lot of, of the s- same thing. Now, one of the differences is Jalen Brown was a bit more of a above the rim finisher. The same in stature, but that aggressiveness and that ability to get up, I do think is going to help him uh, in comparison to Okoro. Um, but for the most part, their offensive profiles are super similar. So I, I think you, you're what you're hoping for is something more similar to Mikhail Bridges, which, yeah, he, he doesn't have necessarily the same length, but that type of impact guy. Um, I like his confidence to shoot threes recently. But if you're talking absolute apex, best case scenario, that, that would be the direction I'd go. Okay, and then last but not least, uh, Jared Allen, who has been absolutely wonderful. I love uh, him. I love how him. Do you, how do you not even <laughs> say, as a Cavs fan, how do you not say Jared Allen's name and just not break into laughter? Or right. at the very least, a, a big shit-eating grin, which yeah, I'm doing right. now. How, how, in, how in the hell did Kobe Altman pull off an Ed Monix-like trade <laughs> and, and get Jared Allen for a, like a washing machine and, and a couple of Jordans? Uh, it's a great question. I have <laughs> friends that work for uh, the athletic uh, that are uh, cover the Raptors and they're like, I just don't understand how Masai didn't get in on this. I, um, I talked about it on the recent podcast, but you look at the Boston Celtics who um, like they're, they're looking to add guys. They're maybe looking to add someone like Torian Prince, right? Torian Prince was supposed to be the tax on this. You have <laughs> yes. a massive trade exception. You could have accepted 
Allen and Prince into that trade exception and sent out a whole bunch of your picks. You have way too many first round picks. You can't even use them all. The Milwaukee Bucks first <laughs> that we gave up and just an expiring contract of Dante Exum. You could have freed up Houston from even accepting a, an expiring contract in that deal. You could have just sent them the pick. Oh. Uh, it, like it is, it is staggering that no other team got in on this. It's wild. I mean, I'm, I'm not a cap expert. There's got to be some explanations. But at the same time, one thing that I do think it does speak to, though, is, and this isn't sourced, but I do think it's reasonable to conclude that Kobe Altman has a good relationship with GMs around the league yes. because he got into the Drew Holiday trade and got that pick unprotected. He gets in as a third team on a lot of these deals, and that only is possible if he's someone that's easy to work with, that teams respect, that the, that is creative in his thinking to get these deals done. I think it's a really great sign. Now, Kobe's about as secretive as it gets. He doesn't, yeah. <laughs> doesn't seem to talk to the media a whole lot. Um, and maybe that that's part of it as well, that things don't really leak out of the Cavs. We, we had no idea Andre Drummond was coming. We had no idea Jared Allen was coming. So maybe that's part of it. But I, I do think that that is a, a real takeaway from this situation. <laughs> he's incredible. Yeah. He's incredible. He, yeah. He's like, he's just like, hey, Brooklyn and Houston, heard you guys were talking. I got an old <laughs> Motorola flip phone and a half-eaten pizza. What can I get for it? Right. And they're just right. like, well, yeah, you can take these fine players. Fine. We don't care. <laughs> it's, what? It's the family guy thing. Do you accept <laughs> tiny bits of string? Except he got people to accept yeah. it. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> And and unlike Ed Monix, I mean, I don't know if anybody saw Semi Pro. Uh, Jared Allen's not going to punch anybody in the jejunum, so <laughs> he's not going to make anybody. <laughs> I wouldn't so, rule it out. You know, he, he's just twenty two. There, there could be a lot of twists and turns to his you career. Never know. <laughs> All right, so yeah. you guys, you guys talked on your episode about those four pieces that are the cornerstones moving forward. Mm-hmm. I put together four other pieces that maybe aren't considered cornerstones, hmm. but but the. Sh- could and should and maybe will be a big part of this team moving forward. And okay. so you were given grades. Let's give grades and, and let's right. talk about your feelings on this. Uh, so the first one, even though he's been out for a while, this is a guy that got called out on this podcast by our good buddy, Tim Elkhorn, the voice radio voice of the Cavs hmm. called it before the season said, this is the guy that's going to have the breakout season. Larry Nance jr. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm giving him an A. Uh, I think uh, all defensive team is certainly in the conversation for him. Um, he's been the best player on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I would include him. So the, the reason I, when I did the description for this last episode, I almost said core four, and then I, I decided to go with young core, because I do consider Larry Nance Jr. to be part of the core. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Chris Fedor's report, but basically, Kobe Altman talking about getting all these trade offers for Larry Nance Jr. And he said, if I trade Larry Nance, I might as well include myself in the trade (laughs) because this town's not going to forgive me. Yeah, I truly and this was even before the the new lottery odds were a thing. I really, really value the presence of a veteran, especially one that can play. Um, we were lucky enough to have, even before our partnership, we had uh, Larry on the podcast to do a season preview with us. And so many of the things he talked about, you saw on the court. We need communication. We need accountability. Um, that's one of the things that with Jared Allen, um, I love seeing him in that Memphis game yelling at Colin Sexton because that's your responsibility as a big man. You have to communicate everything that's going on. Yes. You have to be the quarterback of the defense. And... It's something that's never tracked in stats, but certain guys are better communicators than other. 
uh, Marc Gasol is a great example of that. Like, you, you look at what he can do physically right now, it's very limited. Yeah. But he was insanely important to Toronto's defense. And you see the massive drop-off they had without him because he was such a good communicator. And Larry's one of those guys. He stepped up and filled that void that Tristan Thompson left. Um, and I absolutely consider him part of the core. Like, I think there's a value in having vets that can contribute on and off the floor, and he fits that description perfectly. Dylan Windler. <laughs> uh, D- Dylan, I'll give a C plus. Um, I have seen enough to be interested and encouraged by him. Um, may- maybe he'll be our Duncan Robinson. I love that he's starting to take a few more threes. He's in a weird spot. So he's in the spot that Darius Garland was in last year, where you're doing everything except the one thing I expected you to do, which is both infuriating and promising because the fact that he's out there playing good basketball, his defense is better than I expected. He rebounds really well. That's all fantastic. He he cuts well. The team needs to learn how to play with him because they're actually missing easy opportunities for him uh, to, to get him the ball on these cuts. And when he moves on the perimeter, but you got to shoot, man. You you cannot have a conscience. And, and that's my, my biggest hope for him in, in the second half of the season because I do think as he becomes more confident and he becomes more comfortable playing with the team, it's going to have an interesting effect on, on Jetty Osman and whether or not that he's going to get any minutes moving forward because if he starts hitting these shots and all of a sudden you have power forwards back so you don't have your small forwards playing yes. <laughs> at that position, there's going to be fewer minutes on the wing. And uh, Windler is certainly going to be in that mix moving forward. Yeah, I didn't see Dylan Windler uh, posterizing guys. Oh, that man. Was not, that was that, not something I saw coming. Yeah, he... Ha- he had the the breakaway poster where he got fouled against the Lakers, and then he had a putback dunk that just about <laughs> took me off my seat. Like yes. I was not expecting that at all. Um, I, like it was between that and the Dean Wade putback dunk that uh, like yeah. just completely blew my mind in the first half of the season. Well, let's talk about the next guy on our list. A guy that I don't know that anybody would have said this, but yeah, I don't know that it's unrealistic to think that this is a guy that could be around for a while. Dean Wade. Yeah, so if I have to give him a grade, I'm actually going to give him a higher grade than Garland. I'm going to give him a B plus, and that's not because he's been better than Garland. I think Garland has been one of the most impactful players on the team. This is, once again, grading on my own curve based on expectations. He's shown enough to earn the contract that he got, uh, which he, he had his contract guaranteed for the season. Um, he's he's very athletic uh, for that size. He moves his feet well, uh, seems to have good hands on the defensive end. Um, he, he gets up there every now and then, and he's confident shooting. And and that confidence is, is really, really nice to see because, I mean, we talked about it with Windler. We've talked about it with Garland, even Sexton. We, we need you taking those shots, and he's someone that's not afraid to take them. Um, I don't... I don't know how much of an upside there is with him, but I do think that he's worth keeping around as a rotation piece at the very least. And you you never know, like guys develop on their own curves. Uh, You're you're not betting a whole lot uh, of the rebuild on him or or any of it really. Um, But I I definitely think that there's a value in keeping him in the mix, especially when you factor in how well he fits with the young guys, like a spacing big is really important to have for this team. Well, he, he he reminds me, Dean Wade, and the reason I get a little excited, because I don't know what his upside is either, frankly, but he makes me a little excited because the Cavaliers, since the first LeBron era, since that started, mm-hmm. have this bad track record 
of these guys that maybe didn't come onto the team with a ton of expectations, whether they be late first round picks, second round picks, whatever, that never find their way off the bench. No. Right? Guys, Danny Green and Joe Harris, and they've got a track record of these guys that could never find their way onto the floor who then move on to these other teams. And all of a sudden, they're not just like, oh, he's a pretty decent like role player. They're like, oh, that's an inter- integral part. Like They need his shooting uh, yeah. on that team. Dean Wade reminds me a little bit of a guy that could turn into that. And so I'm excited to see him out there on the floor. And frankly, when Kevin Love comes back, who better? For a guy like Dean Wade, who better to sit and watch and, and learn from than yeah. a guy whose game is pretty much like Dean Wade's. If, if he can be Diet Coke Kevin Love, I'm I'm thrilled with that. And, <laughs> and you know, like you talk about the teams you want to model yourself after. Look at the Raptors. Look at Miami. These are like the best organizations that are always good. They find value on the margins. They turn guys like Dean Wade into rotation players. They find someone like Lamar Stevens that went undrafted and and develop them into someone that can give you minutes. And I, I really think that it's an encouraging sign because – with the draft lottery basically being just a crapshoot right now, I do think there's value in developing as much talent as possible because then you can consolidate that talent. You can do a move like Toronto did where, hey, we hit a ceiling, but we've developed so many guys that we can send off to Rose and we can send off Jakob Pertle because we have guys in our system that can step up to the plate. Norm Powell can step up to the plate and make up for what we're losing there and get this star in Kawhi Leonard. So I, I do think that it's a really good sign for the Cavs. And I, I hope we see more of that, whether it be using Canton uh, or, or other means to to find guys that maybe have been overlooked for one reason or another and developing them into rotation players. All right. Well, since we mentioned draft picks, let's talk Anthony Bennett. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Kidding. I, <laughs> Anthony, funny story about Anthony Bennett. I don't want to get too sidetracked. If we need to go longer because I'm ranting, we can go ahead. No, no, But no. I remember sitting there at the watching the draft in a bar about to go to the season opener for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, my, my beloved team. And I got the tweet from Woj, Bennett's the pick. I was so mad. I was so mad, and everyone knows I'm a Cavs fan, so they're all congratulating me. Hey, first Canadian drafted first overall. That's so exciting. He's on your team, and I'm just oh. mad. I'm just mad. I was oh. like ready to fight. I didn't get into a fight, but I was close. <laughs> I was close. I, there was a little too much of the rye uh, coursing through my veins <laughs> that evening, and it, it was just not a good scene. I I mean, I wanted Otto Porter Jr., which, I mean, it wouldn't have been great, but probably would have been a little better. Um, but, yeah, the Anthony Bennett uh, – scars are, are still there for myself in fairness <laughs> in fairness to you it's one of the worst drafts of all time like yeah. that and i know Giannis came out of that but let's let's not have selective memory nobody knew a damn thing about the bean pull that was Giannis onto Takumpo when he first came out I'm yeah and he was like six eight at that point uh, uh, a important clarification and i think something that people need to understand especially as more drafts come along and the talent level gets higher and higher in my opinion a bad draft means that there's no kind of sure things at the top that take less effort to develop i think there's so much talent coming into the league now the guys you can get from 10 to 15 you used to be able to get 5 to 10 yeah and what happens in that range is it just takes a little more player development you can still get stars you can still get all stars look at denver utah miami toronto all of those teams 
cores that were nobody picked in the top 10. Um, so I do think that there's more value than ever. And Giannis was a great example of that. But I think this year's draft is similar to that, where people say, yeah, it's supposed to be one of the worst drafts ever. It's just going to take more time with these guys. It, it's going to take more time in a perfect season. Forget this weird pandemic mess of a season that we're having. All right. Let's get to the final grade here for the in the uh, four uh, grades that Mike picked. Uh, head coach. John Blair Bickerstaff, mm-hmm. affectionately known as J.B. Bickerstaff. What do you think? I'm giving him an A, and I also want to extend that to the whole coaching staff. Um, I think coaching coaching has always been one of the things that I have been most hesitant to go all out with takes on because we have no idea how things are delegated. Like, look at the size of a coaching staff in the NBA. It is rows and rows of people, and tasks are are delegated all over the place. I think J.B. Bickerstaff has done a a fantastic job of getting buy-in from this team. This is still a team that is relying on guys that are incredibly young to generate all of their offense. Um, This was a team that was projected for 20 wins. We're on pace for 28, and that's with the most injuries and the hardest schedule or one of the hardest schedules <laughs> to this point. Yes. The the fact that they have been so much better than their record and you're still ahead of uh, schedule is a great, great sign. Um, I, I do think obviously there's areas for growth. There's things that you want to see, but the fact that they have stuck to kind of installing some base coverages, whether it be with the defense, hey, we're committing to drop coverage with Andre Drummond. Everyone knows what their role is supposed to be. It's so much better than what they've had in the past where we're trying to adjust our defense depending on what the other team's running. And guys are always confused and not communicating out there. Um, I, I just think that they've done a really good job uh, this season. Uh, people have talked about the three-pointers. Yeah, that's frustrating. But the reason I haven't gone on the coaching staff for that is they came into the season out of training camp hunting for threes. The ball moved and they they were looking to get three pointers up, which signals an intent that that's what they were working on. And then as the season progressed and things started to fall apart, there was less of that. But there was also less power forwards on the team. There were none. Larry Nance and Kevin Love were out. And those were important focal points of the offense. And what you were dealing with is people not wanting to give valid criticism to the young core because we are really invested in them. I'm super high on these guys, but it's important to acknowledge when you're looking at a three-point rate. Colin Sexton, his natural instinct is a slasher. Darius Garland is a pass-first guy. Isaac Okoro, offense is not his forte. And those are your only perimeter players for the most part. So you're not going to have a really high three-point rate. They finally had a practice prior to that Denver game, and all of a sudden, Colin Sexton comes out, coach, challenge me. I'm taking six to seven threes for the rest of the season. Darius Garland shooting more threes. The team is hunting threes. They were actually able to get some sets in. So, yes, it's frustrating. Yes, when there's something we don't like about the team, we always default to blaming the coach. But I I, I think for where this team is at, he's done a fantastic job. And he hasn't called anybody slugs. Yeah, I mean, that's (laughs) that's a really important thing. I mean, you want to be careful with that. Uh, all right, two-part question. Rest of the season, you guys have made it well-known, and I completely agree with you. I've always been this way, especially in the NBA, uh, that you value winning over mm-hmm. draft picks. Uh, and so, 
you know, I, we don't want to talk crazy, but the NBA right now, it's a the top 10 teams in each conference get into a, they at least make this play-in tournament. Cavs <laughs> are two and a half games out of this play-in tournament right now. So it's not like they're not right in the thick of things, even after that atrocious stretch of basketball. Yeah. I, what would that mean for this team? What would it mean? And, and And what does this team need? We've talked a lot about the players that are currently on the team. To be a real competitor, because I think mm-hmm. we all feel like they've got a lot of pieces. But I think we've talked about these guys that, you know, Colin Sexton could be the leading scorer, but maybe he's not the guy. And, and maybe yeah. maybe we don't necessarily have the guy. What does the guy look like for this team? Wow, that's a great question. So I, I do think what you'd want to see in terms of an addition would be a forward that can initiate the offense. Um, even if Garland is still the primary initiator, you want a guy that's that release valve that can get you shots and, and create for himself and others in the front court. They they just don't have that right now. And whether that's through the draft, free agency trades, I, I do think that that's something that you would want this team to acquire. I do think that there's a value in trying to win because this team is relying on very young players to get those wins. It's not like they brought in a Chris Paul or a veteran that's going to raise that floor to a playoff uh, team. The only way they're getting there is if the young core that is all 22 or younger is good enough to get into the NBA playoffs, which personally, I don't think that they are going to be able to do that because I just think there's such a large margin or there's such a small margin for error when, when you're relying on young guys. I got the whole margin for error thing confused, uh, which I mean, it happens. I mean, you, you can drink a little tequila and all of a sudden you, you want to uh, complaining about a large margin for error. It, it just happens. But you don't want that. But I think this team is talented enough to compete on almost any night. But when you're dealing with young guys, there's inconsistency. And that is a big part of these guys getting better is those high watermarks, those flashes that they show become more and more consistent over time. You also look at what's happening the second half schedule. Right off the bat, 10 games in 15 nights. And it doesn't let up from there. Like These guys are going to be worn down. They're going to be tired. You're going to have guys miss time. And even if you get that 10th seed, even if you get in that play in mix, the 10th seed in the East is still seventh in lottery odds and like a 40% chance of jumping top four. You're going to need lottery luck no matter what. And I don't think it's worth intentionally throwing games or doing things um, that could risk losing the locker room and risk the, the delicate culture that you're trying to build because Let's be honest, like, yeah, the Cavs have talked about building a culture, but that's something that takes time, takes investment. It's not easy to do. And when you have a young culture like this, it's really important to try to do everything you can to preserve it. So I do think continuing to try to go for these wins and trying to get better every single night is the best way to go about it. And if these guys make the leaps, if Garland all of a sudden becomes a 20 and eight guy, Sexton takes his 23 and four and a half to like 25 and six after the break. Uh, Isaac Okoro starts playing better. Dylan Windler's playing better. Larry Nance is doing well. Jared Allen's playing well. And that's the reason you get in the playoffs. That's a pretty bright thing to look at. Like that is insanely exciting. And people will say, what value is there in getting swept in the first round? The value is not in the playoff games. There is some value in that, but learning what it takes to actually make the playoffs over a 82 or 72 game season. That's where the value is. That's the growing, that's the learning experience that you want to see from a young team. So I predicted 28 wins uh, for the Cavs this season. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Maybe they can get to like 30 or so uh, if the health is there, but like if they overachieve, 
it's not something I'm going to complain about because no. I, I'm in this. No. I mean, I'm yeah. in this because I love basketball. And when my favorite team is winning, that's a really nice experience. Yeah. Maybe it means that this team has to get creative on the trade market or a free agency. Uh, maybe they have to maneuver to, to get the cap space to take a swing at a guy like John Collins in the offseason or or Laurie Markinen or another guy that can add to the core because he didn't get that in the draft. But there's more than one way to build. And tanking is basically there's almost no examples outside of Philly uh, and maybe OKC, but those teams haven't, like Philly hasn't made a conference finals yet. Like it's not a bulletproof plan. All right. So Chad, I'm throwing a curveball at my notes here because I had some, some bullshit question about Baron (laughs) Davis and his paragraph today. I don't know if you saw this, Justin Baron Davis wrote a whole paragraph about Dan Gilbert and blah, 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 blah. But to be honest with you guys, who fucking cares? Uh, whatever. Players don't like yeah, Dan Gilbert. I, I, I did. I, I'm. I, I did see that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was just gonna say. I, I, I. I've mostly been offline today. Um, I, I put together my, my new office. I got a new desk. It looks here. great. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saw that. Um, obviously, we, we don't know the particulars of the situation. I, I do think that there is value in players expressing kind of what they've experienced. And sure. yeah, I, I mean, I understand it because like even looking back at something like the letter now, I look at it and I say, yeah, that's an awful look. But at the time, I was 19 years old and like that was, yeah, I was all and everybody. Up. Every cast fan was team. like, let's go. He Let hurt my Dan team. Gilbert. And, and there are countless things. From a decade ago that I look back at and I oh, say, sure. you know what? I, I hate that. I hate that I said that. I hate that I thought that. I hate that I, hate that I watched that. Well, what, what was I thinking? Like, yeah, it, it sucks. It's not great. But at the same time, like, I, I do think that you look at recent Cavs history and this organization is being run differently. And Dan yes. Gilbert's a big part of that. And um, like, I, People always bring up it's actually I'm I'm kind of glad you brought this up because people will freak out like in, during the 10 game losing streak. They're like, oh, Dan Gilbert, it's going to be a knee jerk reaction. Everyone's going to get fired. Uh, they're they're going to make a bunch of trades. They're going to trade Garland for Chris Paul and try to win now or something <laughs> like that. When was the last time that's happened? When has no. there been kind of a knee jerk reaction? Like I wasn't thrilled with with Griff leaving, but by all accounts, it was a kind of mutual thing, and there was an understanding that LeBron was leaving one way or another. So, um, like it's, I understand it, especially when you're a fan base that has been through so much pain in the past. You, your mind always goes to the negative. I, I battle anxiety myself, so uh, like I, I understand that. Yes, but at the same time, like. I worry about things once they've happened at this point, or at least I try to. It, it, it's it's hard to sometimes, but that's the way I go about things. I'm glad you yeah, answered I mean, that, and I'm glad you were glad we brought it up because I read it and I was like, who cares? Like, it is what it is. Baron Davis, who I, I love Baron Davis. Exciting as all get out. Love yeah. Baron Davis, but uh, uh, whatever. Dan Gilbert didn't he, want him to go play with LeBron. We were all emotional back at the time. Like, yeah, it is what the, it is. He beat the Heat. How did he oh, beat the game? All time game. That's that's why I said like I, I think Baron Davis was well within his rights to express sure. this. I like I understand it. We don't know all the details. So like this is one of those things where, yeah, social media feels the need to weigh in, but this is not something that like I am informed about that I can actually speak to. And like that's a big thing we try to do on our podcast is 
I acknowledge where my blind spots are, where my expertise lie, where I don't know anything, and, and we tend to ring an expert. So uh, I, I know everyone has to have a take on everything. Everybody's an expert on everything. Oh. Um, but yeah, this is just one of those situations where, yeah, like he's well within his rights to express that. I don't know the details, so I'm not going to give a take on it, but I, I can at least talk about kind of what surrounds that. Yeah, Mike, you didn't need to throw a curveball in your notes, man. I was just, you know, Justin mentioned that if this team overachieves, he's not going to complain. I was just going to say, uh, being a Cleveland fan, uh, you, you can't really ever complain if a team overachieves. No, Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm not going to tell anyone how to be a fan. But if you do want to complain about that, please do not direct it at my Twitter account. Do not direct <laughs> it at right. me. Um, exactly. You can fan however you want. And the beauty of sports media, I, I love this quote from Dan Gil, uh, not Dan Gilbert, Dan Lebetard. Uh, I, I mean, maybe Dan Gilbert said it as well. But Lebetard always talks about sports coverage as a buffet. You can pick and choose and select whatever you like, whatever suits your taste. And, and that's like... I know what my lane is. I define it. I understand the Chase Down podcast or my sports opinions aren't for everybody. And I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. There's no right or wrong way to do it. But just don't bring that to me. I, I like winning. I like to listen to I would it. Love, I would love to make the playoffs without LeBron. Are you kidding me? That would be sweet. Yeah. It's coming. It's yeah. going to happen. Well, it's going to happen. Listen, listen. It's happening next jerk, year. Next year. The knee, and and also to add to it, the knee jerk reaction did happen. Justin, remember the Alonzo G era? Hello. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> so my first time going to Cleveland. Here's a funny oh, Alonzo oh, G story. No. I I I wish I knew who the assistant coach was, but I, I, I came love back. That. The, I, I, I just love I, that you have an Alonzo G story. I came back <laughs> from concessions, and my buddy was sitting there, and he's like. I've been watching Alonzo G work out and he is playing one-on-one with this assistant coach. I wish I knew who it was because they were off the floor by the time I got there and he couldn't score on him. He could not score on the assistant coach and the assistant coach is giving him buckets. And you know what? There was a value to Alonzo G. He did bring you that three G service. He he hit oh. that corner three. He played some defense. He honestly, he kind of reminds me in Jetty Osmond where the reason there's animosity is because he was miscast as a starter. He was replacing LeBron. He was that starting small forward. In a more confined role, I think he could have brought something to the table, but yeesh. What are we talking about, Alonzo G? All right, Justin, next question. What's your grade on Samardo Samuels? Ready, go. Oh, slam Ardo, oh baby. Slam Ardo. Bring in the highlights. Bring in oh the fire. God. Listen, I got to turn my video on for this one because Ju- Justin, uh, you don't know this, but like I, I work for the scoreboard show <laughs> down, d- down at the arena there. And Samardo Samuels was one, one of my favorites to work with. <laughs> and when, I don't know, that look uh, on his face was like, you're a chicken. Because we asked what? everybody what, the, we asked everybody what their favorite food was. And he was just the goofiest guy. Oh, okay. I was wondering with. what the context of to. that quote was. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was, I, I, I was uncomfortable we, we for asked, a half second. We asked him, we asked him like, what, like what, what was mom's favorite food? <laughs> What was mom's favorite food? We were like growing up or something for one of the promotions. And he was like, I love jerk chicken. All right, so so Chad's favorite obscure Cavalier, obviously, is Samardo Samuels. Yeah. I own, of all time. Of all I time. own 
a Donald Sloan Cavaliers jersey. Oh, well, do you have a good reason for that? Donald, I went to Texas that. A&M when Donald Sloan was at A&M, so I love okay. Sloan. Who's your favorite obscure Cavaliers? Ooh, that is a. Uh, I mean, Manny Harris always jumps out Ooh. because of a uh, career-ending freezer burn. Um, that's oh just God. not something. <laughs> like that's something that sticks with you. Oh my! God. For the rest of your life. Oh my God! <laughs> career-ending oh freezer God. burn. Oh my God! Okay. All right. So, just a couple quick hitters before we let you go, Justin. Justin Rowan from the Chase Down Podcast, the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, a couple quick things, just from the rest of the NBA. It was All Star Weekend this weekend. Uh, did you watch it? Do you enjoy it? Are, are you uh, all-star weekend in the NBA is the most polarizing thing on the planet. Mm-hmm. People either love it or hate it. I usually love all-star weekend. Cause I like fun. Uh, yeah. and it's, it's not too serious or whatever. Did you watch it? Did you enjoy it? What'd you think about it? I watched it. It was fine for what it is. I, I think that was actually one of the points where I noticed no crowd more than ever. Yes. Uh, cause I mean, that's such a big part of all-star weekend, like even panning to the reactions in the three point contest or the dunk contest to, to the crowd. I mean, you think about Vince Carter's dunk and yes. Shaq holding the camcorder, right? Like you're robbed of those moments. I still got some enjoyment out of it. Um, I, I think it was good to cram it into one day. I think it was stupid to have an all-star weekend. Um, but you you know what like uh, whatever uh, i guess there was a lot of money tied up into it um but you know I, I get enjoyment out of it i i don't do tons of critical thinking when i don't have to that that's one of my traits like i'm not someone like i i do see p- people pivot and once again i'm not telling anyone how to live their life but the the people that go from like basketball anal- analysis all day and then all of a sudden they watch a movie or a tv show and they're providing critiques and uh. analysis on that no, I turned my brain off. I, I have some delicious Corazon. I have <laughs> I have other things that are legalized in Canada. Like there's, hey, there's, there's so much. Like I turn my brain off and I let's enjoy it. And and to me, that's what he was talking about health Canada. insurance. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's why I can drink with freedom. I know, I know my. Uh, <laughs> there, there we go. There we my go. consequences are taken care of. But Listen, yeah, we're I, from Cleveland. We all came up to Windsor to enjoy some times during our college days. <laughs> oh boy, my nineteenth birthday was something to behold. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, Winnipeg. Winnipeg is basically Vegas for people that live in North and South Dakota. So, hey, yes, oh my God! Congratulations yeah. on it. There's seven people. Yeah, live in North and South Dakota. (laughs) And they all got guns. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. Well, so let's get to the rest of the NBA real quick here, Justin. Uh, Let's uh, start in Brooklyn. Uh, The Nets continue to gel more and more. But, you know, as they're doing that, they begin to look more unstoppable. And now they've added Blake freaking Griffin. Uh, What does he have to offer him at this point? Spot up shooting. Um, Like, I do think. (laughs) <laughs> like that's basically what he's turned into is oh, a spot up shooter that doesn't shoot very well. Um, Blake Griffin <laughs> has not dunked since 2019. Oh, I'm sure God. you guys have heard that stat. Yep. Um, it's, I, I think he's actually the only player six, eight or taller that hasn't dunked over that period of time, which is truly remarkable. Um, I do think that there, I would caution people from fully writing him off because you look at, what he did in Detroit and it sucks. And people say, well, no, that's what he brings to the table. There's going to be a little added motivation. There's going to be a lot of focus on people that aren't Blake Griffin. And I think that's going to help him out a a fair bit. I mean, look how well Jeff green is playing uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. Like, 
I, I think Blake Griffin can bring some of that to the table. Ultimately, I think they still need a center, um, and Blake Griffin's not really going to provide them with that. But off the bench, it wouldn't shock me to see him bring something to the table. But ultimately, I don't I don't think he's going to be the guy that swings a playoff series one way or another. I'd like him to. I, like, I, I find Blake Griffin to be a likable guy, and he was a hell of a player at, at one point. It's crazy that he was all NBA two years ago, and, and now he's bought out. Um, actually, this is crazy. I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Detroit Pistons had Tobias Harris, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson. Oh. For those four players, in return for them, they got one second-round pick. Oh, my God. Jesus. One. Jesus. It's like the anti-Kobe Altman. And in that period of time, they traded Chris Middleton for Brandon Knight. (laughs) So, Um, like... Was was that a Stan Van Gundy thing? Like, wasn't he, like, sort of the acting, like, the GM of that team? Or no? Am I wrong? Oh, man. Some of that is on him. Some of that is after he left. I mean, (laughs) I just... It's not pretty. I just can't wrap my mind around Blake... Again, I, I, I said I went to AM. I remember watching Oklahoma come in and play AM with Blake Griffin, and he just, it was the craziest athlete I've ever seen in my whole life. Still, on to this unbelievable. day, to this day. And so it makes me sad that all he does is shoot the ball. Uh, let's move on. Uh, so you got Brooklyn now. You got Blake Griffin out there. You've got this renaissance for James Harden. James Harden's playing the best basketball of his career. Better mm. than his, better than his MVP year. This like well rounded James Harden is the, is so it's fun to watch. I've always hated watching James Harden when he's ISO ball looking for fouls, flopping yeah. all over the place. He's playing so well. Uh, so who in the East can take Brooklyn? Like can Milwaukee take Brooklyn down? Can Philly take Brooklyn down? Or is Brooklyn just crash course for the finals? That's a good question. I mean, God, it is nice to see James Harden play in watchable basketball. I think Trey Young has now inherited his crown as the uh, least watchable guy that should be fun, which is pains me. It yes. pains me because I want Trey Young on the Cavs so badly. Like I, I wanted him to fall or for them to trade up. That that was a guy who really, really wanted. Um, I, I do think it, it's great to see him play in this style. Someone was lying to us because Daryl Morey, James Harden, and Mike D'Antoni said that they didn't want to play that style. And somebody had to be lying there. Uh, yes. It is funny to see Harden and uh, D'Antoni now together in Brooklyn again. Uh, I find that interesting. I do think that there are teams that can beat them. I, I think Philly or Milwaukee would have a, a shot against them. Um, we're going to need to see with Brooklyn if Kevin Durant has that God tier gear still. Because yeah. he has been fantastic. But what's separated Durant from the rest of the pack and, and what's established him as, in my opinion, the, the best scorer we've seen, or at least one of the most versatile, he's certainly in that conversation, is he has that extra level. And that extra level needs to come on the defensive end, where he has not been as strong this season. Um, he can still get a shot off against anybody. Um, he's creating a little less space than he has in the past post-injury, which makes sense. But because he's so tall and so long, it still doesn't really have an impact. But that slight decline, I'm interested to see if that's going to have an impact on him on the defensive end. Uh, we know Kyrie, I mean, Cavs fans know, Kyrie will step up on defense in the playoffs. It, yes. It happens when the games matter. James Harden used to be a lockdown guy in OKC. He was kind of their stopper off the bench. And that completely went to hell. So I I do think that a lot of it's going to be determined on how they improve, um, what they do on the buyout market. Like if Andre Drummond is bought out and he goes to Brooklyn, like I think that's a big game changer. Like that that, that, uh, could, could make a huge, huge difference. But you look at Milwaukee. 
they have Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday to throw at Brooklyn's big three. Like, if you were to create guys in a lab to make things hard uh, for those three, it'd be those guys. Chris Middleton can guard James Harden pretty well. He can make him work. Drew Holiday can do a good job on Kyrie. Giannis can do a good job on KD. I still don't really trust Mike Budenholzer in the playoffs at all. Um, but I, I think they can at least challenge them. Philly's interesting. Philly's in the mix for Kyle Lowry. If they get him, I, I think that I, I I think I'd favor them. I, I think wow. that I'd favor them to come out of the East, just because they get it done on both ends of the floor. And Brooklyn is going to be the ultimate experiment of can a team that bad defensively win a championship? Like I I just don't know even if they're all bought in whether or not they have that gear. So yeah. I, I'm I'm still, if I had to pick anyone, I'm going to pick Philly, and some of that's on wow. spec. Um, wow. I I haven't trusted them in the past, so I don't know what I'm doing to myself. <laughs> um, but maybe that's just skepticism about... Maybe difference? Is he the difference? Uh, maybe. No, I, I, honestly, I think Daryl Moore is more of a difference because they actually For have sure. shooters around those guys, which, which instead of starting two power forwards and two centers, it is a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not going to work. That's not going to work. Yeah. No. All right. We're going to take a break to talk about superstars real quick before we get out of here. Uh, so we talked about, we've talked about like guys, like when we were talking about the Cavs, can, can the Cavs, can Colin Sexton ever be the guy that puts the Cavs on his back and carries them? That's going to be hard. LeBron is that guy, right? LeBron's the essential. Put this team on my back. Like Hot he did, take, but I, I think I agree. <laughs> yeah. Like he did in 2007 and he carried a team to the finals. That was starting Sasha Pavlovich, right? Like that just, and Delonte West. Like that is what happened. Um, uh, like how many, how many of those, who's, there aren't many of those players. And I think sometimes we talk about them. So I'm going to go to Giannis because my controversial take is, I think Giannis is a MVP earner that I don't know can ever be the guy that carries a team to a championship because he's still, as good as he is, he's limited in a lot of ways. Uh, who's the league's most overrated superstar? Oh, my goodness. You are asking me to play the overrated game. So <laughs> I do think that there's... We play I games do, here. Yeah, I, I do think that there's some merit to what you're saying about Giannis. Like, I, I think this is... If you said that to me last year, I would have thought it's a little too spicy. But seeing them come up short in the playoffs again and again, and some of that is on Boone Holzer, but just the way that they looked and the way they struggled, I think some criticism and some doubt is valid. Like, I think Chris Middleton is absolutely good enough to be a number two on a contender. And we need to learn, is Giannis good enough to be a number one on a championship team? Like, that is actually the question right now. And part of me kind of feels... I. I don't know if it feels bad or feels some regret that Milwaukee developed him to be a, one of those cog guys that yes. plays on the perimeter and everything flows around him. I think if he was an off-ball big four, playing pick yes. and roll, passing out of that, and like not even dribbling when he's attacking the rim, I think he would be an absolute nightmare. Get a combo guard in there with him. Someone like Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> or even like a, a Kyrie or Kemba yes. or guys along those lines. To me, that would have been the best version of the Bucks. So uh, I hate playing the overrated game. Um, man, like I, I hate calling Giannis overrated. It's not something I'm very comfortable with. Um, maybe Draymond a little bit just because like even though he impacts the game so much and maybe things have shifted uh, about his perception. 
Like he still has so much impact. He is one of the most intelligent players in the league, but like it really hurts. And, and you see it now with Clay Thompson out of there. It really hurts to have a yeah. guy that the defense just has zero respect for the jump shot. They have zero respect for him offensively. And like the fact that he still has a positive impact speaks to just how brilliant he is and yes. how talented he is. But man, it is just <laughs> such a liability at this stage. And it bumps me out because honestly, like, yeah, you hate them in the moment, but like I have genuine tons of respect for the Golden State Warriors. Oh, yeah. Court. When you step like, back. They are, yeah. They are so damn good. Yeah. And I, I think elevating them and, and properly acknowledging how good they were puts into context how ridiculous 2016 was. Like that is absolutely absurd that is 100 the best regular season oh, team we have insane. ever seen as like they were functioning at such a high level so maybe i hate giving an answer i'm going to go with draymond it sucks i respect draymond um uh, i've had his mom tweet at me before so please don't no. do that again oh uh, what we're, we're tagging her in this yeah uh hopefully it's draymond <laughs> I hate it. I, I hate doing it, but I'm going to go with him. I'm going to uh, Chad. I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but I'm going to stay spicy. I think Giannis, I, I, I like Giannis. He's a freak. He's the Greek freak. And that, that's an earned term. But like, if, if I'm a Bucks fan and my team is down five with two minutes left, I don't have a lot of faith that Giannis is going to make the shots that we need to make to bring us back. He's going to slam a ball off the side of the backboard from the corner three spot. And it, it's going to be ugly. I, I just, I I I agree with you. I'd love to see him in the position you said that you think he would succeed in in that in that ultimate like four power four kind of guy. But it's just not him. They they try to they try to act like he's LeBron. Yeah, he's not. No. Uh, uh, Chad, any thoughts on that? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I, I, great I, great I, ad. Great share. Yeah, yeah. Dynamite exactly. drop in, Chad. Diamond I drop in, Monty. Uh, I, uh, I, full disclosure, I don't watch enough of the NBA to really have an opinion on it. So I'm not. I love not gonna, that answer. I respect it, that. I respect yeah, not, being honest about it. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to form an opinion. Uh, so on it about something I don't really know about. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. So yeah, I, I'm an NHL guy through and through. So. <laughs> that's All right. That. So real quick, towards the end here, uh, Patrick Lanny takes. Oh, God. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I love him, uh, but oh. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was going to actually mention that to you earlier there, there, Justin. Has any more details come about up there in Winnipeg as to why that relationship soured between him and Maurice or no? I, I think it was just that they wouldn't play him on the first line. Um, that, okay. I think that's really what it came down to. I and mean, like it, it's still, again, not a big fan of Paul Maurice. I, I don't think that you needed to have this tension there. Uh, the, the fact that Roslovich was getting buried too. And like, he looks like he would have merited the return that we got for just Lanny or at least the draft compensation. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that that drives me nuts. Um, it's good for my fantasy team because I picked up Cam Atkinson, and that's working out well for me. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got him off waivers, and my team was already loaded, so uh, it's he's he's panned out for me pretty well. But yeah, it's it's just disappointing. I mean, playing Cody Eakin over Jack Roslovic uh, should be a war crime. <sighs> All right, so we'll end it with some hockey talk because that was awesome. Uh, Justin, have the Cavs given you any plans to bring you into Cleveland yet uh, as the official podcast host of the Cavaliers? 
No, I, I mean, they, they've talked about, obviously, once that is something that's possible. Right. Uh, getting in there. Uh, I would absolutely love to get there. Yeah. Uh, I've proven Yoakam Noah wrong a million times and gone on several vacations in Cleveland. I love it there. <laughs> uh, great city. Yeah, why don't wife. you just retire? My, my wife really liked it there. And to bring things full circle, um, I messaged her about the uh, Mexican hot, child imper- uh, hot chocolate style imperial stout. And she said that they made one at work uh, when they first oh. opened up years ago. Big fan. She, she gave that an oh yum. So uh, bringing everything full circle for those that uh, st- stuck around this long in the podcast. There's your uh, your big reveal there. But yeah, I'd love to be uh, in Cleveland. I'm, I fully intend on being there for the All-Star game at the very least. Uh, maybe I can get a trip in this fall as well. Uh, get get two in next season uh, to to christen the Cavs return to the playoffs if it doesn't happen this year. Oh God, please! Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we we just got the news uh, last week that uh, everyone's supposed to get their first shot of the vaccine by uh, May 18th. So that's nice. uh, a lot earlier than uh, we were expecting. So. Awesome. Uh, hopefully I, I can get to Cleveland soon. Hopefully that border opens up and uh, we can get things rolling. All right. What's, Justin, the name well, of the, what's the name of the, what's the name of the brewery your wife works at? Oh. One great city brewery. Quick plug. Oh, oh, okay. I, I, okay. I'm willing to drive. Chad, you want to take a road trip? It's a long yeah. drive to Winnipeg. That's a long drive. But you we'll know what? Go. Fun fact. Cleveland is a shorter drive from Winnipeg than Toronto. Well, see, there you go. Come yeah. on. Not, Plus, everyone Cleveland lives, is, not everyone lives near Toronto. That's uh, Cleveland that's my, is tropical Winnipeg. So yeah, it really is. <laughs> we got rivers. You got a lake. That's that is what it is. You nailed it. All right. Justin Rowan, uh, go follow everything they're doing from his Twitter page at Cavs Anada, uh, the chase down podcast at chase down pod, the official podcast of the Cavaliers. Congratulations again to you, to Carter. It's an awesome accomplishment. You've worked a long time for it and it's awesome to see you get recognized for it. We're going to keep following you, but thank you so much for taking some time to talk some basketball, some hockey, some beer, some tequila, all that with us tonight. And, uh, uh, we'll talk to you again down the line. Thanks, Justin. Boys, thank you so much for having me. This was 100% of my wheelhouse anytime. Ton, tons of fun. This was uh, this was a blast. All right, so we're not going to waste any time. Again, thank you so much to Justin Rowan uh, at Cavs Anada on Twitter of the Chase Down podcast. They are doing so many cool things uh, as, as being named the official podcast of the Cavaliers. What's cooler than that? And Justin was awesome on the podcast. We really, really appreciate his time. Go follow him. Go listen to the podcast. It'll be worth your time. If you love basketball, if you love the Cavaliers, go listen to Justin and Carter. Uh, They're two of the best out there at what they do. Uh, We're not going to waste any time, though. Chad had a really cool opportunity to talk to an old friend of of Cleveland's here, and we're going to send it over to that. Chad had an opportunity to talk to Doug Plagans, If the name sounds familiar, it's because Doug Plagans was at one time the voice of the Cleveland Monsters, and he has since moved up. He's in the NHL ranks, and with the Blue Jackets playing the Panthers this week, he is the voice of the Florida Panthers. So Chad and Doug are going to talk a little hockey coming up right here. All right, now we're pleased to welcome on. uh, You may remember him if you're a Cleveland Monster. Monsters fan, as he was the radio voice for the Cleveland Monsters, well, the Lake Erie Monsters back then from 2011 to 2015 for four seasons. And he's the current voice of the NHL's Florida Panthers, who are uh, in town. Uh, not well, he isn't, but uh, the Panthers, the team is in town in Columbus for two games against the Blue Jackets. And we're pleased, we're pleased to welcome on Doug Plagans on the Garage Beers podcast. Doug, thanks so much for being here. No problem. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here and, and talk a little hockey. and catch up with some folks from from back in Ohio. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was, you know, I was talking to you when I was, when I messaged you a little bit, I didn't know if you remembered, but I mean, we, we've, we've eaten dinner probably 856 times together, whether it was, you know, Chipotle or, or, or whatever the monsters were having that night, but uh, it's please, various I'm, pizzas. Yeah. Various pizzas, Zeppies, you know, I, but uh, I'm pleased to talk with you now. Let's get, let's get right into it before we get into, you know, the Panthers and, and, and the games tonight, I just want to ask you, you know, you spent four seasons in the Blue Jackets organization uh, as the radio voice of the Monsters. You know, I know you helped out on the Cavs side of things, too, in the Cleveland market with, you know, Access Cavaliers. You know, just just talk about your time in Cleveland and and, you know, what you remember about it uh, or just yeah, just in general, how you felt about being in, in Cleveland for, for those four years. Well, oddly enough, and I guess it makes me it makes me kind of a, a throwback at this point in time, since we're several years into the in the Blue Jackets era there in Cleveland. But uh, but I was I was with uh, it was still the Avalanches, the affiliation during mm-hmm. the really every game that I called there. But I was there for the affiliation change, and mm-hmm. I remember the big the big uh, you know the big blowout that we had at the arena to announce the affiliation change. And obviously that has become a, a great, a great, uh, you know, marriage there between the, the uh, monsters and the blue jackets and geographically makes a ton of sense that uh, a lot of the, the fans that follow the monsters probably already root for the Columbus blue jackets. Yeah. So it made a lot of sense in, in that regard. And when guys would get called up, it obviously made it easier for the, the monsters fans to keep following the, the players when they would get called up to the National Hockey League. But I was there for the affiliation change, ton, tons of excitement, got to meet uh, a number of the folks that were involved from the Blue Jackets perspective, which obviously includes uh, current Panthers general manager, Bill Zito. Mm-hmm. The first time I talked to him was when he was still working with the uh, with the Blue Jackets organization. But, um, you know, I was around for that whole change, and then I ended up going to Florida. But before that, the uh, the time that I spent in Cleveland, I can't even tell you – how much I enjoyed that time uh, from a, you know, professional and personal perspective and uh, being from Detroit. I know people from Ohio and Michigan like to like to talk about the rivalry that exists between the two, (laughs) but being a Detroit area native and then spending four years in Cleveland, I don't think there's anywhere else in the United States that would have had that same homey Michigan feel that homey Detroit feel that being in Northeast Ohio in Cleveland uh, brought it was just it was a great place to be it just felt it was one of those places for me and like I said being from the Detroit area being from Michigan going to Cleveland it just it felt familiar as soon as I got there so um, it was a great place to spend four seasons met a ton of great people who I still keep in touch with and a ton of great people who I was able to learn a lot from. Uh, and, and as I've told a, a lot of people, you know, after my time, uh, since I, since I moved on, since I, since I've come down here to Florida, um, being there with the monsters. And I also did four seasons of gladiators games when mm-hmm. I was there as well, but, uh, but being there with the, with the monsters and gladiators and getting to chip in on a, a few things on the, on the Cavs side, having the Cavs as a resource right down the hall. Um, I, I can't put a price on the experience that I was able to get in those four years. And to this day, um, you know, the, the Cavs are the NBA team that I root for because I just, first of all, enjoyed my time there so much, but I still to this day know a ton of great people there who are, who are involved in all the, uh, all the day to day stuff that goes on. So 
um, you know, obviously I wish them all just uh, great success and, and uh, you know, with the, and that's why I, I pull for the team, but still keep an eye on everything going on up there in Cleveland and still follow along with a lot of the different Cleveland uh, media folks. And um, it's, it, it was just, a, as I said, it was a, it was a great place to spend four years. Yeah, that's great. You know, I'm, I, I totally forgot about the gladiators because the arena football league is just kind of like, okay, we're playing. We're not, we're playing. We're not. Okay. Maybe yeah. not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of an in and out thing, but yeah, that was a gladiators. Uh, I, I totally forgot about that, but uh, you know, before I want to get into my next thing, I, I you know, I just want to thank you. Okay. And I don't think the people of Cleveland give Doug Pleggins uh, uh, enough credit. Uh, and I'm going to tell you why, because it was your move, okay? You were the first person, you, you, you left, okay? You, you left to go be the voice of the Florida Panthers. And thank you, I just wanna say thank you on behalf of the city of Cleveland for being the prophet that you are, that when you left, all of a sudden, the championship drought ends in Cleveland, okay? And, and I think you were one of the catalysts of that. And <laughs> the, again, people in Cleveland don't give you enough credit. All it, all it took was a move up in your career, and the Monsters win a Calder Cup, and the Cavs win a championship. I don't, so thank yeah, whether, you, Doug Wagons. <laughs> whether I was the, I don't know if you want to call it the, uh, the ingredient that had to be, that had to go, or I don't know what it was. But uh, yeah, yeah, after, after I left, uh, everybody started getting rings. And, uh, but it was, like I said, it was, even, even from afar, I, I, was still, I was still pulling for everybody, and I was still keeping track of it like I was still there, just kind of, uh, you know, thinking about what that had to be like. And, and to this day, I, I can't tell you how happy I am for so many different people that put in a, a lot of hard work and went through a lot of different ups and downs over the years en route to both the uh, Calder Cup championship and everybody who was a part of the, the NBA championship with the Cavs as well. That was uh, a special, a special time. And, uh, and yeah, oddly enough, the year after I left, everybody just started winning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always say, I, I don't know what you thought about this, but uh, you know, the Indians almost win the world series in the same year. I think we'd still be rebuilding Cleveland today. If, if the Indians were won three times in the same year, but, um, but yeah, th- but that leads me into my next question. Again, you know, you took a move up in your career uh, to become the voice of the Florida Panthers on the then brand new uh, Florida Panthers radio network on Miami sports radio, 560 WQAM. Uh, just talk about how did that process play out for you? Did, you know, was, did they get in touch with you first? Did you, did you hear about the opening? How did that play out? Well, I can, I can preface it first and it, you know, I can speak for anybody who's broadcasting games at the American hockey league level, the ECHL level, the major junior level for any of the broadcasters out there, the ultimate goal and, and everybody, you know, I, I was incredibly happy in Cleveland, obviously. It was a great place to be. New tons of great people. It was a great place to work. But everybody's goal, no different than the players, is to get that call up to the, to the National Hockey League level. My mm-hmm. ultimate goal since I was like seven years old was to be a broadcaster in the NHL. So, um, you know, as far as I was concerned, I was in, you know, one of the best, if not the best place to be in, uh, if I wasn't in the NHL. But uh, my ultimate goal was to, to be able to get that opportunity at the at the highest level to broadcast games in the National Hockey League and hopefully be able to do that forever. So, um, you know, each each offseason, I always made sure that I had, you know, I would tell any any aspiring broadcaster this, but I always made sure that I had my freshest demo reel material all ready to go because you never know when that opportunity is going to present itself. And sometimes when that opportunity presents itself, time is of the essence. It's not always going to be a, 
you know, a three, four month national search drawn out process where a team is looking for their next broadcaster. Sometimes they have to make a decision because, um, you know, time could be a, a bit more of a factor. So I always made sure that I had the most updated, any possible application materials that I would need. And uh, I was actually, um, so every off season, you know, that was always the big thing. You get to the off season and you, you kind of look around like, Oh, is, is there anybody retiring? You know, anything like that that might be happening at the, at the NHL level, because the jobs are just hard to get, um, you know, people get them and they keep them for a long time and they should get them and keep them for a long time because they're, it's a, it's a great, it's a great life. And for somebody who's trying to, trying to get one of these jobs, um, they're very hard to get. They don't come open very often. So I was actually, it was August of 2015. I was on the sidelines of the gladiators practice facility, watching gladiators practice. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a lull in the action. And I just kind of pulled out my phone and started scrolling Twitter because that's what most of us do if we've got uh, two minutes to kill, we just refresh yeah. Twitter and just start reading along and see if any big developments have happened in anywhere in anything that we follow. And I was scrolling down and I saw this announcement because I had followed, um, I believe it would have been from Fox Sports Florida, who I was following or from the Panthers, one of the one of the or maybe both. But I saw the announcement made that Randy Moeller it was moving over to the television side. And he had been the Panthers radio broadcaster for um, about eight seasons uh, prior to that. And he was a, he's my boss now. He's the Panthers VP of broadcasting. He's been unbelievable to me since the day I got here. And, uh, and he was a pioneer. He was the first former player to be a full-time play-by-play announcer in the National Hockey League. There had been a number of guys who, you know, filled in here and there or uh, spur of the moment uh, had to pinch hit for somebody or something like that. But I mean, he did it. He did it for the better part of a decade um, as a, as a former player and really developed a, a great following down here and, and everything like that. And he was moving over to the television side. And so obviously the first thing that pops into my mind is, well, there's, he's, he's moving over to TV. He's been the radio broadcaster there for a long time. I wonder if that means that there's going to be an opening for the radio play-by-play position. Sure enough, by the time I got home that afternoon, so we're talking like three, four hours later, the play-by-play opening was posted. And keep in mind, this goes back to what I was saying earlier, that it's not like this was April or May, right at the end of a hockey season. This was the middle of August. So, you know, teams are starting to get everything in order for the for the next season because mid-August, you're you're under two months away from opening night. You're you know, about a little over a month away from starting a preseason at that point in time. And you're about a month away from training camp. So uh, I was, you know, I, I got home, had all my stuff ready, sent it to where it needed to go. Um, you know, long story short, to had a, and it wasn't really a long story because it, it moved pretty quickly. The pro, As I said, it was the middle of August, August. So the, the process moved pretty quickly. And uh, within, after after a few conversations back and forth, after about, uh, you know, a, a, a maybe after about a week and a half or so, um, I was offered the position to come down to Florida. And um, it's been every bit the dream come true that I hoped it would be. So thankful for it every single day. And that's kind of the, the long and short of how it came to be. And I would tell anybody, too, that as far as this business is concerned, with there's a lot of people out there who want to be in different avenues of broadcasting, maybe the the best thing about it and the craziest thing about it too is there's not an exact science and there's not a set path 
for how you get to where you want to go. If you talk to all, you know, every radio broadcaster in the National Hockey League and every television play-by-play guy in the National Hockey League, every single one of them would probably have a little bit different story as to how they got where they are. My path was probably the most on the conventional side because I did seven years in the minors at two different levels and then got that proverbial call up to the National Hockey League. But, um, you know, it's not always that, uh, that uh, I guess, in that order. But that's, uh, that's kind of the long and short of how it came to be. Well, I mean, you could have ended up in a better weather situation either. So, so I'm sure most of the other uh, broadcasters are jealous of that too. <laughs> Everybody looks forward to their trips down here. I'll tell you yeah. that. I'm looking, yeah. the, I'm looking out the window right now, and it's uh, here we are recording this on on March 10th, and it's uh, I believe it's like 75. I have a window open right now. Oh man, yeah, and I just get excited about overcast and 50 here. But uh, <laughs> but uh, and I do miss that cool crisp air every once in a while, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the I miss. I even miss. I even miss that snow. It's uh. That's and that's part of why in a in a regular season. Obviously, this year we're dealing with some uniquenesses. But in a normal season, um, you know, when we're traveling, I I like that I get my dose of winter. And when we go to a place like Detroit or Buffalo or Columbus, I like to go outside and walk around and make sure that I still got it. That I can, right. that I that I still have my my Midwesterner ability to uh, to handle the temperatures. Yeah, yeah, you still have just a little section in your closet for winter clothes for traveling, huh? Now I'll tell you this: Winnipeg and Edmonton, that is a whole different kind of cold. <laughs> yeah, our yeah. our cold in the Midwest. You know, if you if you can handle a Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, Buffalo winter, and I, I went to Syracuse. If you can handle winters in those places, you can handle just about anything. Winnipeg and Edmonton in January, that is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, we just talked to uh, Justin Rowan from the Cavs official podcast last night, and, and he says there's a reason they call it Winterpeg up here. <laughs> so um, anyway, moving on, let's, uh, let's get into the Panthers a little bit, you know, and I want to take it back um, a, a little bit for, uh, to start with the first time you guys came to Columbus. Uh, you know, you weren't on the ice much to start the year. Again, under these this special type of situation, you know, four of your first six games were postponed uh, due to COVID reasons. So you came into Columbus and, you know, you had won two in Chicago, but it, it didn't, it, it kind of really, you didn't get a chance to get into a rhythm, but <laughs> you came to Columbus. And ever since then, this team has basically been on a tear going 14, five and four since then. What's been working so well for the Panthers? I, well, a lot of things. And as you said, they there was a little bit of a, I guess a delayed start, if you will. The Panthers had a, a couple of their opponents early in the season. Carolina and Dallas both ran into some some issues, and that resulted in uh, in the games having to be postponed. and uh, And that's con- you know it's condensed the schedule a lot. But I think there's a lot of different factors. Um, first of all, this team just came into the season just with a with a, a great, uh, just an unbelievable attitude coming into the year, and you could just tell that there was there was some excitement uh, around the group and. Um, you know, second season with with Joel Quenville behind the bench, and obviously he's one of the best coaches of all time. And uh, and then, you know, a lot of guys that had taken some pretty big steps. And uh, you know, you look at the at the guys like Barkov and Huberto and Ekblad, who've kind of been the the cornerstone guys that have been here for a long time, and they've really ascended to kind of a, an all world level. Uh, Aaron Ekblad's inserting himself into the into the Norris conversation this year. He's having a, a fantastic season. Um, Alexander Barkov is putting himself into the Selkie uh, conversation as he has been for the last several years, but um, he looks like he's, you know, on his way to, 
to, to really being, uh, you know, up near the in the in the possibility of being a finalist in that regard, too. He's just taken his game. He's just continued to take his game to to great heights. And it's funny because for a long time, I think those guys all have the uh, reputation around the league of being underrated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we knew down here that those were superstar players, but they kind of <laughs> had that nationally. They kind of had that uh, that underrated label. And especially now, if it, I think it, it that started to go away the last couple of years. But especially now, I mean, these these are known superstars now and they're the cornerstones. But you you look at a lot of what's coming to play first coming into the coming into the season. Bill Zito came in as the, the new general manager and he was uh, he basically has half a new roster here if you compare it to uh, to last year's roster and you look at the moves that he started making and a ton of credit goes to both Bill Zito and Joel Quenville before we even get to what's gone on on the ice but Bill Zito for putting pieces in place that meshed perfectly with the pieces that were already a part of the the core here and then for Joel Quenville to get all of these new faces who, I mean, still 25 games into a season, you got a lot of guys that have really just played 25 games together as a team. Now, granted winning, getting the results you want is going to speed up that, that process of everybody getting on the same page, but Joel Quenville getting a, a lot of new faces in the best situations to succeed, putting them with the right line mates. I mean, just a, a demonstration of uh, another reason why he's one of the best coaches of all time is getting these guys on the, on the right page and getting them to, to click so soon. But you look at the first move that Bill Zito made as the, as the general manager was that trade to bring in Patrick Hornquist mm-hmm. and the, the leadership the he means just as much to this team and he's got 10 goals, but he means just as much to this team, you know, off the ice in practice every day as he does for the team on the ice during games. Um, he, he just brings in that experience. You can't put a price on the fa- on, a, on a guy that specializes in doing the dirty work, who's vocal out there, who has won two Stanley Cups. This is a guy who just comes in here, means business, and, and is here to, he's here to win. And, and you can tell that leadership is really uh, reverberated throughout the team. And then you look at some of the other guys, uh, Joel Quenville's, incredibly happy with what Radko Gudis has brought to the table. His, he is, he's one of those guys in the national hockey league that opponents have to be aware of when Radko Gudis is on the ice. And that makes, you know, that just makes everybody on the team, I think a little bit more confident when you've got a guy like that, that um, is always going to be in the back of the opposition's mind. And he really helps just add to this swagger that we've seen this Panthers team have. And then, Guys, uh, you know, a lot of these other guys that have come in and really contributed. Uh, Carter Verhage coming over from Tampa Bay. They saw a guy in, in Carter Verhage who had played a lot of, you know, bottom six minutes in Tampa Bay. And the Lightning obviously loaded with superstars. Um, the the, the um, opportunity might not have been as big for Carter Verhage with the Tampa Bay Lightning because that lineup was just so, so loaded. But he came in last year was his first season in the National Hockey League. He was able to be a part of a Stanley Cup champion. He was able to observe guys every day like Steven Stamkos and Victor Hedman and Nikita Kucherov and see how those guys go about their business. So he learned right away what it means to win. And he's come in and become a top liner for this Panthers team. So that was a great player that was identified by Bill Zito and the, and the hockey staff as a guy that could come in here and contribute and go right down the line. Alex Wenberg, who you guys know well there in Columbus, he's come in. Had a really nice season as a as a reliable two way guy 
for the Panthers. Uh, Ryan Lomberg's come in and provided a ton of energy. Um, some guys on the back end who've, who've come in, uh, you know, guys like Gustav Forsling and, and Marcus Nudevara, who you guys know well. He's He missed some time with injury, but he's uh, he's played well when he's been in there. Kevin Connaughton's come in. The, and then the ability of uh, Joel Quenville to really use the, the taxi squad uh, quite a bit. He's had this unbelievable ability this season, and we've talked about it on on our podcasts and things like that. Joel Quindle's had this unbelievable ability <clears throat> to get everybody into the lineup because in a condensed season where depth is going to be important and you know you're going to need everybody to be ready at all times, you you don't want guys to to go too long without playing. So he's been able to rotate guys in and out off the taxi squad, keeping everybody fresh, and at the same time, getting guys in the best situation to succeed and get results. And it's just been, it's been great to see. And I haven't even had a chance to name everybody. Mason Marchment's a guy who's come in and just made the most of an opportunity here in the last couple of weeks and got some great praise from Joel Quenville yesterday. Uh, and, you know, there's just a, it's one of those things where the team just, you can tell they're getting the results. They've gotten the confidence. The confidence has led to everybody really just, uh, you know, chipping in on the ice. These have been full team efforts. And then uh, the, the road record, Panthers are, are nine, two and one on the road. That's uh, in the NHL. And this is something that maybe a lot of, if you're, if you're somebody just learning, um, learning hockey, you might, uh, you might think that home ice advantage just applies to when, you know, you have a rowdy, a rowdy fan base in the building, but the other big part of hockey home ice advantage is obviously being able to make that last change, getting the, getting the matchups that you want on the ice. And that's why on the road, some teams have a tough time because, that home coach is always going to be able to get who he wants out there against the other team's best guys. Joel Quenville this season, he has said he doesn't mind rolling all four lines and he doesn't mind any matchup that gets thrown the Panthers way. And that's gone a long way for this team and and they've responded and they've played great. Yeah. I was going to say Bill Zito is uh, certainly kind of made it a little bit of a Columbus light, you know, showing his Columbus roots down there and, with the way Alex, some connections, yeah. yeah, yeah. With the way Alex Wenberg is playing, I know a lot of Blue Jacket fans are going, "Where was that a couple years ago?" And um, I, <laughs> I didn't even get into the fact that both goaltenders the Panthers have put out there this season, whether it's the the two time Vesna winner Sergei Bobrovsky, who's actually he's just been on a roll lately. Yeah, um, he made forty saves in that first game against Columbus last night. Um, but he's you know he's four zero and one his last five, and he's he's just on an absolute tear. And then Chris Drieger, who's the uh, the Panthers' other goaltender he's off to a, a great start this season. And, and that's huge in a, in a condensed season like this, where you're playing pretty much every other day, where you have to be able to use everybody just to keep those goaltender, you know, how you have to be able to use both goaltenders to keep them both fresh. Um, knowing that you can get a win any night out, regardless of who's between the pipes, that's been huge for the Panthers too. Now uh, I'm glad you actually mentioned uh, a lot of guys seeing, being seen as underrated, Doug, because that leads me perfectly into my next question. Uh, you know, I, I feel like that this is the best team in the NHL that no one is talking about. And it, it, I guess my question is, is there a sense of that amongst the guys in the locker room? Does it serve as motivation? Do they see it as disrespect or is it just kind of business as usual for them? I think, you know, it's it's a combination of things. I think coming into this season, this team, and this is the sense I get from just listening to a lot of guys talk, they they knew what they were, they knew what kind of group they had. They knew how much talent was in the room, on the lineup. There's, there's competition for spots. I mean, any possible factor that could help lead to success, that could help bring the most out of, out of guys, it's all there. And from the time they had training camp into the start of the season, the wins started coming. I mean, 
the sense was that everybody knew what the team was capable of and everybody knew that this team could, could hang with anybody out there. Um, you know, so I think, I think uh, it's a team that as the season's gone on, you could tell early on the thing that the Panthers picked up some wins in the, in the very beginning, got off to a really hot start, hadn't played Tampa Bay or Carolina yet. And that was kind of what everybody wanted to see was, you know, nationally, you heard people saying, Oh yeah, they've gotten off to a great start. They look like a good team, but they haven't, uh, haven't seen the lightning yet. They haven't seen the the Carolina hurricanes yet. Panthers have done really well against those two teams uh, with Carolina. They've, uh, they've split that series so far, one, two, lost two, but uh, you know, Carolina is one of those teams that's going to be in the mix and, and they're, you know, I'm looking at the standings right 18, six and one at the time of this, recording so the fact that the Panthers have split the games against them and then they've taken two out of three from the Tampa Bay Lightning I think that's what you have to do if you're any team in the division that wants to separate itself from the rest of the pack and get into that top half because it's the top half of the division that's going to be going to the to the playoffs in this format the top four out of eight you you want to make sure that you you win the the games against the teams that are below you so you can separate yourself from the pack and, and the Panthers have done that and They've uh, got a combined winning record against Tampa Bay and, and Carolina, and um, and they've played well against the Dallas Stars too, who obviously haven't gotten the results they wanted this season. But that was a team that represented the Western Conference in the Stanley Cup Final last year, and you certainly know what they're capable of. And um, open the season with a couple of wins against Chicago. Going to be interesting to see the Blackhawks again because they've kind of turned it up a notch as the season's gone along, and the Panthers will see the Blackhawks coming up on Saturday. But um, yeah, this is a a team that's really just continued to to pass every test. That it's come its way. And, uh, and right now, uh, you know, I don't think there's anybody that would tell you, yeah, maybe in the beginning of the season, there were people nationally that weren't talking about the Panthers, but I think everybody's talking about them now. All right. Now let us transition into uh, the second game here uh, against the Blue Jackets. Uh, you know, you, 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 uh, Panthers came away with a four, two victory last night, uh, forced a lot of turnovers by the Blue Jackets. Uh, you, you know, could have been more goals if it weren't for a couple of uh, incredible saves. Uh, by Jonas Corposalo. Um, what type of problems do the Jackets present to the Panthers, and, and what do the Panthers need to do to mitigate those? Well, you know, just uh, in talking to – in hearing what Joel Quenville had to say prior to the game uh, yesterday, he's he's always been very complimentary of the, the hardworking style that the Blue Jackets play and the, the straight-line style, and they play with the speed, and they play disciplined, and they're tough on the puck, and they, they keep the game simple. And there's a, a few teams that – you know, give uh, give a lot of teams in the National Hockey League fits at times playing a similar style. I think if you look at if you look at Columbus, if you look at a team like the like the Carolina Hurricanes, who just, uh, you know, their game is speed and and pressuring you and and making you move the puck and, and getting shots on net when you can. And um, and then another team like that is the, the New York Islanders or another team that plays that just similar, you know, lunch pail style, if you will. Um, you know, those are teams that have given a lot of groups across the National Hockey League tough times. And I, I think when you when you look at the Blue Jackets, that's the the biggest thing with them is they're they're going to pressure you. They're going to get to you quickly. Um, you just got to be ready to move the puck and you are going to have to make Jonas Corposalo work because he's proven that he can stand on his head. And even though uh, he gave up three in that game last night, he made some highlight reel saves uh, during that one. So. Um, you know, it's he, they know that uh, anytime you play the Blue Jackets, you're going to you're going to have a team that's going to pressure you. That's going to going to keep the game pretty simple. And there's going to be a goaltender down there that you're going to have to make sure you test because it could take a lot to beat them. All right, Doug. Uh, big thanks for joining us. 
today. And I got one more question for you, a little bit of a more of a fun question uh, before before we get out of here. Uh, you are a big live music uh, yes. guy, and I know you have been. Um, I recently I've been seeing on your social media uh, that you've been posting uh, a different sorts of uh, hockey cards. How much have you missed the live concert scenes in this COVID era? And how's the card collection coming? The card, cards are great. Um, always enjoy. It's something I've done uh, on and off uh, since I was a since I was a kid. I remember my first pack of baseball cards. I, I told my grandma I wanted to get some baseball cards, and uh, then the next time I went over to my grandma's house, she had gotten me uh, a cello pa- pack of 1989 Topps baseball at the grocery store, um, and I just remember I didn't get any Tigers. But I loved I, I was but but I, I didn't get any tigers, but I was hooked after that. And then I remember once shortly after that, I was at 7-Eleven with uh, with my dad and they had hockey cards on the counter at 7-Eleven. And uh, and I, I noticed them. And so my dad got me a couple of packs and I did get a couple being, being from Detroit, you know, as a little kid. Uh, the fact that I got a couple of Red Wings out of there like that was another thing. It was just it just uh, it hooked me from from that point on. So it's something that I did, you know, all the way growing up into when I was in college. And then, as you know, uh, happens to a lot of people kind of life happens and then you get, uh, you, you know, you start working and you're trying to find your way in some other things. But then as, as I've, uh, as I've had time over the last, you know, couple of years, gotten back into it. And, um, it's something that I see myself doing for, for a long time. It's just a, it's just a ton of fun. And as I always tell people, if you just, if you stick to what you like, collect what you like, you can't lose. So, um, so it's just something that I just, I, I just enjoy. And, uh, and as far as music goes, um, yeah, I'm a big, big punk rock, heavy metal guy. And, uh, so I, you know, the live shows are always something that I, I love going to. And I mean, to put it in perspective, I went to, I believe 34 Vans Warped Tour dates in my life. Um, (laughs) I would go to to multiple of them a year and I would, you know, I would travel to different ones and, um, you know, I would, I didn't mind going and seeing the same band over and over. Uh, you know, so it was, and then anytime in, in Cleveland, anytime bands would go to whether it was uh, House of Blues or the Grog Shop, I missed the Grog Shop and Peabody's back before, back when that was still there, um, or the Agora. The, the Agora is awesome. Um, I'm glad I got to see a few shows there, but uh, but I just love going to shows. I can't wait till we can get uh, get that back in the world again. It was actually it was recording this on March 10th. It was actually one year ago today that I went to my last in-person concert. Oh man, we were. Yeah, we were on the road. So we were on a road trip. The Panthers played a home game on March 7th of last year. That was the night that we retired Roberto Luongo's uh, number one. And then after that, we hit the road. We went to St. Louis. So Monday, March 9th of 2020, the Panthers played the Blues, got a big win on the road. Arguably, I think anybody would tell you too, arguably the best 60-minute game that the Panthers played all season. I mean, the team was really hitting its stride. They were they were rolling at that point, and to go in on the road and pick up a win against the defending Stanley Cup champions like that, and it was it was a pretty just a, a good convincing win. Um, you know, we couldn't have been happier with how that one went. And then uh, then the next day would have been March tenth, twenty twenty. The Panthers practiced in St. Louis, flew to Dallas. We weren't playing the Stars till Thursday night, so we got to Dallas, and I went and saw. Um, there's a like a. a really heavy metal band, uh, the Acacia strain. I went and saw them at the gas monkey garage in Dallas. And then that would have been Tuesday, March 10th. The next day, Wednesday, March 11th was the night that the last NBA games were played. And, you know, the world would, 
change as we knew it. And then the next day we were supposed to play the Dallas stars and morning skate got canceled. And then uh, before we knew it, we were heading to the airport to uh, board a flight back to Florida without playing our game against Dallas and everything went on hold. Um, So that was, you know, kind of the, I will always remember that sequence. I will always remember that I saw the Acacia strain in Dallas, uh, you know, the, the night before the world changed. Yeah, they should give you a tweet at them. They should give you free tickets just for uh, just for the on the anniversary next time they play a show. <laughs> now that you now that you mention it, uh, I am going to just make mention of it on Twitter with this being the one year anniversary of the of the last show that I attended. So uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully before too long we're back uh, you know back and rolling and we can all go and and do those things again safely, of course. All right, Doug. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Go follow Doug Plagans on all of his social medias. I believe all of them are at Doug Plagans. Right, and then uh, if you're Pretty a generic, yep. yeah, there you go, there you go. But if you're a if you're a, if you're a Monsters fan and and miss uh, Mr. Plagans' voice, or uh, if you're a Panthers fan, you can listen to all of the Panthers games on Miami Sports Radio five sixty WQAM. Uh, Doug, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it, it was great talking to you, and we'll talk to you again down the line. Anytime, and uh, and I just want to you know again just say uh, thanks to you for having me, and thanks to. Uh, you know anybody I didn't get to thank before I before I left? I know it's been uh, it's it was back in 2015 when I when I left Cleveland, but uh, I can't thank everybody there enough for the uh, the the support and and everything. And uh, over the over the four years that I was there, it's a time that I'll I'll remember for the rest of my life. And uh, and again, big just uh, continued thanks to uh, to everybody there in Cleveland. And uh, and I miss all of you. All right, thanks, Doug. We'll again. Good luck to the Panthers tonight. And we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks again to Doug Plagans, the voice of the Florida Panthers. You want to follow him at Doug Plagans, and we got to always say, and the former voice of the Cleveland Monsters, uh, because, uh, you know, that's how he's connected and, and great stories from Doug Plagans, and really cool that he's been able to take his talent to the NHL as well. So uh, before we get to our three cheers of the week, there's one other thing that happened since our last podcast that Chad and I wanted to get into tonight. Uh, and that is Baker Mayfield this week and his wife. <laughs> I can't even say it. Baker Mayfield and his wife, Emily, uh, came out and said that they saw a UFO. And of course, the first reaction to that was basically Colin Coward, who I wish the city of Cleveland would stop tweeting at Colin Coward. I wish they would stop yeah. retweeting him. I want to make something as clear as possible. Colin Coward keeps talking about Baker Mayfield and the Browns because he gets more clicks and more views from doing that than anything else than he does. The city of Cleveland is entirely supporting Colin Coward and his family. Uh, Oh, yeah. So make no mistake. I don't think Colin's as dumb as he sounds when he just picks when he did that thing like. Chad, did you see when he did the thing about uh, which quarterback would you rather have? And it was every quarterback in the NFL and then Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and he only picked like two quarterbacks over Baker Mayfield. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And that's why I try not to pay him any mind. I mean, did you see the thing? I, like, there was no chance in hell that this was an actual take like that, 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 that this was Colin Coward's actual opinion. I think he just saw on Twitter that everybody was doing those like mock, like Colin Coward Ugh. takes about Baker seeing the UFO and he just ran with it. And which is, which is genius. 
by him because that's going to do nothing but get him ratings. Right. Like, like, like Colin absolutely knows what he's doing. Like, but there's no chance in hell that like he had an actual take of, I don't like my franchise quarterback seeing aliens. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> like, first of all, go back to the thing I was talking about. A Colin Cowherd would not pick Kirk Cousins to start an NFL franchise with <laughs> over Baker Mayfield. <laughs> And he knows it. That wasn't even like a, he's not stupid. That wasn't like a stupid take. He's not an idiot. He knows that if he says Alex Smith, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, all these kind of middle of the road quarterbacks, if he says he'd take them over Baker Mayfield, Cleveland is going to give him views. And they, as far as the UFO goes, uh, freaking hilarious, freaking hilarious. Uh, And then Tom Brady gets involved. (laughs) Colin Coward's like, Tom Brady never said he saw UFOs. And then Tom Brady tweets, I never said I didn't see UFOs. I never said yeah. that. <laughs> How do you know that, Colin? Colin? <laughs> now, <laughs> Baker's going back and forth with Tom Brady because Baker says, at your age, you've probably seen several UFOs. To Tom Brady, we got goat going after goat. Uh, this whole thing has been wildly entertaining. So it all leads up to this question, Chad. Yeah. Do you believe in UFOs? Uh, um, yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. I believe in the. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in aliens. Um, I, I don't know if I believe that they were actually on this planet, on planet Earth, but I think in this, in in the vast universe, I think it'd be kind of naive to think that we're the only life forms that exist. You know what well, I mean? I totally agree with that. And we're not yeah. getting, we're not diving into this, but the the universe, no. like the universe, is bigger than your imagination can even fathom. <laughs> Like that's for real. You watch those like videos that show like this is you, and then it starts zooming out, and like it takes ten minutes in the video for you to even get out of our galaxy, and there's millions and billions of galaxies. Like, right? It, it, of course, there's other life out there somewhere. I, I'm not a supernatural guy. Like, I'm not a ghost no. guy. I'm not a spirits guy. I'm not a. See, oh man, see, I I, I never had. I never believed in ghosts either until I had like a couple of experiences that were really like crazy. And I know it sounds crazy, but until you've experienced it, it's all, oh, yeah. man. Listen, it wasn't until it wasn't until Patrick got to his age. My, my son is three going on four mm-hmm. and he does two things that make me think a little bit uh-huh. uh, in 2020. My son lost his great grandfather, my, my wife's grandfather. Mm-hmm. and we didn't really say anything. I mean, we told him that his papa was gone and all that stuff, and it, it was sad, and and, and uh, we, it's very, we're very lucky that they got to spend the time they did. We didn't really say anything about anything to him, and then every time there's a sunset and the sky is orange, mm-hmm. my son looks up at the sky and says, hey, it's papa, and that freaks me out a little bit. That's I'm like, Where's he getting that from? Yeah. Uh, And then his great grandmother. So that was Katie's, my wife's grandfather. My grandmother died in 2015 before my son was ever born. Yeah. But when he goes over to my mom's place, there's like a little like music boxy kind of thing. Okay. And without touching it, when Patrick goes over there, if he stands near it, it starts to chime. Woo! (laughs) And... And Patrick says that it's grandma great, which is what he calls her, even though he never knew her. Wow. And 
that those are the two things that make me think, well, maybe there's something going on or at least a feeling, but no, mm-hmm. I don't think there's like ghosts walking around my house or like, I don't know about you. I don't think UFOs are all over the place, but you know what? If you do, I, I don't know. It's, it's the same thing for oh. me. This shit is the same thing as religion. I can be religious, but I don't believe that my religion is better than yours. No, so, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not big in the supernatural stuff, but like, if you are, I don't know. I'm, I shit. I've never, I've never been to the supernatural. <laughs> I've never been to the afterlife. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Right. Maybe it is all real. Who, who knows? Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my two, I'll tell you my two quick stories. Uh, so uh, we went to Savannah. Uh, we went to Hilton Head and then Savannah on our honeymoon. Okay. So uh, in Savannah, we went on a ghost tour. Okay. And I mean, it's, it's really, you know, long story, whatever, but we come upon this like very narrow tunnel, very, very narrow kind of hallway-ish, like in al- alleyway. It's more of an alleyway in between buildings. And it's closed off uh, to the public. You can't walk through there, but there's this, this, this gate at the end of it. And it's, it's, they closed it off because it has historical significance because that's where they brought slaves in and they brought slaves up that tunnel to head up to the auction. And I'm going to turn on my video for this, Mike. And so, so they said, so they said, you go up and you grab this gate legend has it that, you know, you, you can, you can hear things, you can see things, you can feel things. So I walk up and I'm like, so I grab this gate by the handlebar, uh, by one of the, by one of the bars, Mike. Right. And I, and Mike, I, I shit you not. This is what I feel. No, like, I, like, I, like, like, I feel a hand on my hand. I go, Oh, I go, Oh, hell no. <laughs> I go, Oh, hell no. Okay. But then the other one, which was incredibly surreal uh, to me and true story. It's, it's going to sound unbelievable. I'm going to preface it by saying it's going to sound unbelievable, but it is a 100% true story. So back in college, I went to Ashland and just outside in Milan township, there's this covered bridge where supposedly all of these murders happen. Kids got hung. Uh, it, it was just brutal, right? So a couple of my friends, we decided to go out there one night and, and see and see what, and just see if anything happened. So the, I guess the legend has it. You go there, you park uh, by the bridge, and and like it, all of a sudden your car is supposed to be pulled in, right? So we go there, we park. My friend Elizabeth is with me. She has her camera. She has her camera, right? And then, <laughs> God, so. We're there for a couple minutes and nothing's happening. All of a sudden, I, I, Liz goes, guys, look at this. And her hand is, she's holding her camcorder and it's going like this. Like she goes, she goes guys, I, I'm not doing that. And then the car starts shaking. What? And we go, and we go, let's get the fuck out of here. So we speed back. Wow. right? And she, she got about like five to seven minutes, five to 10 minutes of tape. Right. So we speed back and, and we go back and we like, should we watch this tape? Like, I just like, we're all freaked out. So she puts the tape in. All right, we're watching it on our TV and we get to the freak out part. Then all of a sudden in the last like 10 seconds, a voice, Mike, I shit you not, Mike, a voice came onto this tape. <laughs> and plain as day, it, it was mixed with like a little white noise, plain as day. And again, there's, it was impossible for this video to get doctored because we put it right in once we got back. Plain as day, a voice came on the, the, the tape and said, you don't belong here. Leave. And I said, bye. I slow.
up with the lights out for the last for the next three fucking days. After. <laughs> I was like, nope, 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 love nope. it. So, so, so I was I was never a believer until that day, until I had that experience, and I'm like, yep, spirits, ghosts, they fucking exist. Hey, listen, <laughs> they exist. again, if you, you believe it, if you it. don't believe it. You're not right. You're not wrong. That's all up to you. That's cool. If you've had the experiences, that's sweet. Uh, as far as our quarterback goes, shit, I hope yeah. the aliens, maybe they took him up and gave him some extra powers. Uh, that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. listen, I don't care. Believe in UFOs. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Believe in ghosts. I don't give a shit. Do anything that isn't like illegal or immoral. That's fine. Cool. I don't give a shit. Come back in next year and throw a bunch of touchdowns. Let's go. I will. Yeah. I'll, I'll be an alien. I don't care. So yeah. I loved it. I loved, I loved the little bit of entertainment in the off season Baker and his wife coming out saying they saw UFOs. I think it's, you know, I think they also know that that's entertaining, that that's going to spark off some shit. Uh, and it, and it oh, was, sure. it was a blast to follow. So uh, you see where we stand. If you got any good, like alien UFO or even ghost stories, stuff like that, let us know. And we'll read them on the podcast. Cause that'd be fun. That'd be a fun podcast. So yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. Anyways, uh, that's just about going to do it for us. We've got our three cheers of the week. Normally, it's me, Chad, and Joey, but Joey decided softball was important tonight. What a Just me and Chad, but we're still going to do three. I'll do two. Chad does one. I'm going to start. Uh, And again, sometimes these are just personal. And mine are both going to be personal. So shut up and deal with it. Uh, All right. uh, We put Patrick in swim lessons. Uh, Okay. And it's at a place out of Crocker Park called Aquatots. And I'm giving a cheer to the people that work there. Because <laughs> okay. at any given time, there's like a hundred like toddler to like eight-year-old kids in there. And all the kids that work there, and they're all like high school age, like high school girls, basically, that all work at Aquatots, <laughs> are just putting up with it. And they're trying to teach these kids how to swim and they're doing a phenomenal job. And my kid last week, I couldn't even hardly, it was his first time going. I couldn't even hardly get him to like go in and like take part in it mm-hmm. this week. He was like dunking his head under the water and having a great time. So yeah, shout out three cheer of the week. Cheer one Aquatots. If you got a little kid, get him into those swim lessons. They do a great job. Chad, what's Are your you, cheer? Well, is that like, now is that a class where like you're in the water with him now, or is no, he like in there no. just kind of holding he, on to the he's side in of the by wall? himself? Okay, all right, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, okay, I'll 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 give a cheer to uh, Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah. Go on, yeah. man. Go yeah, on, Mother nature. nature. God, you're such a cranky bitch no. here in Ohio. Uh, here in Ohio, you're uh, angry. He's an angry elf. Cr- cranky bitch. Uh, but you have blessed us with like, like early spring warm weather. So cheers to you, Mother Nature. You cranky bitch. <laughs> you non-cranky bitch. I love it. Yeah, it's nice to go outside again, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure is. <laughs> All right, last cheer of the week goes back to me. This one's personal, and I'm gonna I'm gonna act like Joe was here. Oh God. So I'm gonna shout out. I'm gonna shout something out. I'm gonna shout okay. out Joe's parents. Ah. My in-laws. Because uh, for the next six-ish months, I'm going to be living in their house. Oh, boy. Because we sold ours. And we have to wait for our new one to be made. Uh, <laughs> and so these saints of people, uh, John and Elaine here, 
have just allowed us to move right in while we wait for our house to get built. And that that's a feat, man. I'm we're a fun time. I'm as fun as I sound. If you're listening to this. Oh, and wow. my wife's, debatable. debatable. Shut the fuck up. My wife's <laughs> a good time. Uh, debatable. Well, no, she's definitely a good time. I don't know about you. Watch your mouth. Uh, <laughs> but these people have allowed us to move in with a three-year-old and one that's due in May. So they're going to have to live with a newborn until the end of the summer at the earliest. Uh, and they just have been like, yeah, come on in. Let's go. Let's do this. So cheers to them because we have officially moved in and whoa, they are saints. They are saints putting up with us. So bless your hearts, Mr. And Mrs. Whalen. Bless your hearts. Uh, that's going to do it. Those are our cheers of the week. Uh, our thanks go out to three distinct groups, four distinct groups, if you will. One, our thanks goes out to Justin Rowan, uh, the Chase Down podcast at Cavs Anada. What a great interview that was talking Cavs. We're going to do that again with Justin. He was a great time. Uh, go check out their podcast. It's phenomenal. Thanks to Doug Plagans, the voice of the Panthers. As we recorded this podcast, the Panthers beat the Blue Jackets. So we don't love that. But uh, thank you to him. Go follow him at Doug Plagans. Again, former voice of the Cleveland Monsters. Uh, thanks to belly up sports, our podcasting network, belly up sports. Again, we have a really good time with them and there's some other really good podcasts on the belly up sports network. So go check it out. And as always, thanks goes out to you, the listener. As I said before, if you wouldn't mind share us with your friends, but go on, give us a rating. Uh, let us know how you think we're doing. Uh, that certainly helps us a great deal for Chad at Garage Beers, Chad on the east side, and even for Joe, even though he wasn't here, at Garage Beers, Joe, I'm Michael Keefe at Garage Beers, Mike. Go follow the show at The Garage Beers on Twitter, on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook, on TikTok, and all the above. It's been a blast until Monday, and this is, uh, make sure you remember this, we got a special episode coming out Monday with, uh, an Indians reporter that is just going to be a great time. Andre Knott joins us on Monday to get ready for the Indian season. You don't want to miss that special episode 56 Monday until then from all of us here at the garage beers podcast. Cheers, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.